Episode 197 of the Reptile Gumbo Podcast. I'm so much closer to the camera. I was not. You told me you moved the camera. I did. I did move it closer. But I feel so close. And I also feel I wanted, very I wanted dark to be closer. in this corner. I wanted to be so much closer to our listeners. I thought you were going to say closer to me. Nah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm around you enough. I'm good. Somebody said something about needing to look cute today. And I said, um, I got what I need. I don't need to look cute anymore unless I just want to. Sorry, babe. Yeah, it's all right. All right. I don't feel very cute after eating uh, half a bag of potato chips. So uh, Robert is uh, was not feeling good. He was he was on his way. He was going to come, but he's, he's under the weather. So hopefully next week. We're creeping up to episode 200. Which so I, crazy. Which I think is on. I remember when you talked about starting this podcast and you were like, I have this idea. What do you think about this? I'm like, go for it. It'll be great. It's a good hobby for you. You asked to be on it. Don't don't act like I, I begged you to, to be, be here. a guest. No, 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 no. I didn't realize no, no, no. that was going to be a weekly that's, thing. That's bullshit. You asked to be a co-host on it, and I, I agreed to it. I think I felt bad for you because you were. I could they find were a co-host. Like flies. They weren't. I've gone. Well, I had to go through two others. That's fine. <laughs> I've lost Robert now. Apparently, too. Well, you're that's not going point. through me because you're stuck with me for life. Oh God. <laughs> Anyways. So I think uh, it's the 30th is going to be our 200th episode. I'm going to reach out to um, some of our previous guests. Uh, again, tell us any guests that you would like for us to bring back. And uh, I'll reach out to them, see if they want to come back. <laughs> Louis F. is any co-host. Uh, I may. We'll see how uh, We'll see how much longer this hey, lasts. I turned my heat press off and stopped the craft I was in the middle of to come record tonight. I'm glad we're not going to burn the house down. I'm just saying. Because sometimes you'll go to bed without blowing candles out. I mean, it's happened. <laughs> oh, I know. Joe saves our lives. Oh, on the uh, regular. So anyway, let's uh, let's go ahead and get some sponsors uh, <laughs> Since Lewis is there, you want to read Lewis's? I sure will. Little shops, little that is hard. isn't oh, it tricky? I do it every week. I used to no problem. <laughs> Sorry, Lewis. Little Shop of Horrors is a small feeder and pet supply business based in San Antonio, and they regularly schedule feeder meetups around San Antonio as well as other neighboring towns and cities. They offer shipping on their feeder insects, isopods, and are working on starting shipping on their feeder rodents too. All feeders are raised on a nutritional diet that optimizes the health of the reptiles and amphibians that consume them. Be sure to check them out if you are in need of any feeders. Yes. Um... He said, Lewis said, we really underestimated how difficult it would be for people. It's at Lil's. It's because Lil's. I, I, I also, when I started, I realized this is the first time I've actually read this. It's the back-to-back S's. And I'm like, Bleh. No, it's it's the back-to-back S's. Lil's shop of, if you feel drunk. you feel like you're slurring yeah. words together. I feel I, drunk. I feel that. I get there. Uh, but yes, check out Lewis at Lil's shop of horrors. Um, especially if you're in the uh, San Antonio area and you need feeder rodents, go there. If you need feeder insects, it can ship to you. Uh, also want to give a shout out to Colossal Constrictors, uh, not officially a sponsor, but I mean, they've sponsored a crap ton of our giveaways. They sponsored all four of the giveaways in December. They sponsored the giveaway in November. They sponsored the, all four giveaways in two Decembers ago. So Colossal Constrictors, if you need a high quality boa, go check them out. They are on uh, Facebook and they're also on Morph Market and they've got some amazing boas up for sale on Morph Market. Um, uh, luckily I don't have any money, so I can't, I don't have to try and buy any, but <laughs> I, got, I got no money. So, nope. um, We'll check them out. Also, VivTech products. 
don't forget, if you go use VivTech products and buy yourself an LED UVB bulb from them, you can use code GUMBO22 and save 15%. They also have new lights out. I, I post, oh man, I posted about it over in our, uh, on our page. It's the, I'm going to mess it up because I want to say halogen, but I, I, I know I had it pulled up before I started this and I didn't. Look at you, you slacker. Oh, Erica, this is what you've got to work with. You know what? You know what? Erica loves me. <laughs> she does. If you're not buying your bulbs from VivTech, uh, actually, you're wrong. I messaged her like a week or two ago, and I told her, I said, I was talking to my sister, and I said, hey, you can save uh, f- 15%, 20%. The air conditioner just cut off. Yeah. Awesome. What? Uh, how much did they save with our code? 15%. 15%. Okay, that's what I told her. Said, you Are you sure? Know. You don't even remember the story. I don't. Anyways, they have new oh. <laughs> high sun halogen heat bulbs out. So now you can use those new halogen heat bulbs along with your LED UVB bulb from VivTech. And again, use code GUMBO22 and save 15% on all that stuff. Along with all the smart devices they have. They have all the smart plugs and they have the cameras and all the sensors. Go check out VivTech. Uh, Herp's Reptile Shows. Let's go ahead and do those real quick. Uh, this weekend, if you want to go to the frozen tundra of what will be Oklahoma... Um, they are having the show January 13th and 14th mm-hmm. in Oklahoma City. Sean made a big post earlier about the weather. Sunday is supposed to be nine degrees and snowing. Yes. Uh, so more reasons not to go to Oklahoma for me. <laughs> uh, enjoy the cold. Saturday will definitely be there. Sunday, put some chains on your tires because apparently that's a thing people do in the snow. I don't know. I've always lived in the South. We don't. We don't have snow. We, we shut down when it snows when we, because we are not equipped. For look, that. we we see a Oreo McFlurry and we're we're done. That's that's too close to being a snow flurry. All right, Longview, Texas, January twentieth, January twenty first, Conroe, Texas, January twenty seventh, twenty eighth. We will be there at least part of the time. I don't like that answer. I don't know answers for you. I don't know My goal how is to be our there. kid is getting home from Galveston. You know what? She can she can walk. She might be hitchhiking. hitchhiking. I don't care. I don't know. She's old enough now. I may be needed on Sunday. I will be in Conroe, Texas. I'll be there Saturday. I'll be in Conroe, Texas. <laughs> uh, it's my birthday weekend. I know. And then Corpus Christi, Texas is February 24th, 25th. We may be there. I don't know what we have planned. Uh, Baton Rouge is March 2nd, March 3rd. It's Joe's birthday weekend. It's Joe's birthday. But we'll be here because your dad's in town. Oh, okay. I'm glad you know that. Yep. I don't know that. Bryan College Station. That is March 9th and March 10th over on Bryan College Station, Texas. Rosenberg, Texas. That is our home show, apparently. Neither one of us actually have ever been to Rosenberg. We actually have. We just didn't realize that we drove through there one time. Is it one of those places where you think it's like- Right on the other side of Sugar Land. So you think it's Sugar Land, but it's not Sugar Land. Correct. Like, you think we live in Pearland, but we don't live in Pearland. That is correct. Yeah, it gets weird around here. Uh, but Rosenberg, Texas is March 16th, March 17th. And if then, you need Girl Scout cookies at the Rosenberg okay. show, cool. you fun. need to let us know. Like sooner rather than later. Okay, go. Slide L, Louisiana, April 6th and 7th. That is the last one I'm going to do. All right, Slide L, Louisiana. Right, which one? Oh, I, saw, um, I saw Sean Post and one of them, U.S. Arc was going to be at one of them. It's either Baton Rouge or Slide L. I think it's Slide L. It's got to be Slide L. Correct. You don't know, do you? No, 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 no. You're just guessing. He's going to have forms at the table this weekend. Yeah. And then. But I'm pretty sure Phil is going to be there. And then Phil is going to be in Slidell. So, yeah. Go by and see Phil in Slidell. Because there's a lot of stuff going down in Louisiana, possibly soon. Yeah. There are some new laws they're trying to. Glad we're not there anymore. It's not good. 
All right. Uh, I think I forgot anything. Oh, uh, just real quick giveaway. So our giveaway for the last week of December was that uh, was the digital scale. And our winner, um, he, he, he said we can put it back. So at some point we will put it back in for a giveaway because he said he appreciates winning, uh, but he owns one Crested Gecko and he assumes that some ball python person would probably enjoy the scale more. I agree. You weird ass ball python people who weigh all your stuff. Stop weighing stuff. Just, just feed it whatever it is and assume it weighs enough. But with that said, we will be giving the scale away. Also, this month, we're going to be giving away a blanket. It is not made yet. But here is the it's fleece. It's on my weekend schedule. I don't know. Oh, it's so dark. It is It dark. is so dark. Anyways, it's got snakes on it. Katie's going to make a blanket. I'll take a picture of and, it. And uh, we'll post it, and we're going to give it away, and I'll post what you have to do to win the blanket. But it's got, um, don't, don't hate me. We found this at Joanne's Fabrics the other day. It does have ball pythons on it. So uh, I apologize to whoever wins it. And actually, uh, it's got, I think, a spider morph on there, so even better. So people can really hate on that one. But it's a free blanket, so enjoy your free blanket. Made with love. Yeah, that's why I'm not making it. I make everything with love. That's, that's, that's why I'm not making it. It would not be made with I love. I always think good intentions for whoever is going to be receiving whatever I make. So anyways, we'll, we will post that. I'll post the question for what you need to answer to enter in for that giveaway. Uh, and at the end of the month, we'll do the giveaway for a blanket. Got anything else? We're I don't good? think so. We're going to bring our guests now? Yeah. Did I forget anything? I don't think so. You sure? I mean, I'm sure you did. I'm sure I did. I'll bring it up later, I'm sure. All right, let's go ahead and bring our guest in. Our guests tonight are Rob and Amy Zirkel of Zirkel Reptile Company. How's it going? Good. Very good. Thanks for having us. Thanks for coming on. I uh, I, I was excited to have you all on. I told you before we got on here, uh, I know very little about old world rat snakes because they don't fit into what I keep, but you you do have rubber boas, so you redeem yourself there, and that's awesome. Thank <laughs> uh, I was excited. Were to talk. you not nerding out while I was finishing my craft? We were trying to get their stuff working. Oh, oh, we, that's right. We got, we got them the last minute. I was afraid that Yay. I was going to disappoint people, as I do every week. But uh, nope. we we got y'all on. So uh, tell everybody who doesn't know who you are about yourself, and then we can get into uh, some details there. But go ahead and tell everybody. Go ahead. Well, I told everybody I was going to let wife talk, and I was just going to flash gang signals. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. Um, basically, we started out with a pet shop in 1984, and uh, it came with a free boa that came with the store. We were fish people, and um, through uh, a bunch of strange circumstances, we ended up with two. And one of them was acting really sick and took it to the vet. This was like 80s. Nobody knew. It told us it was going to die. And long story short, she had a bunch of babies. And so... <laughs> started a, a whole all this well we actually we were dealing with a gentleman by the name of john shanahan at emerald coral and reptile in florida and we at the time we retailed boas for like 64 bucks and we're sitting with 30 of them and we're starving pet shop people so i got a hold of john i'm like what do i do with all these boas and he put me in touch with lloyd Lemke out in california and that's pretty much how i got started and then we had a customer that came into our store in 1988, told me about a show going on in Columbus. Uh, we were there February of 89 and were there vendors ever since. So that's how we got into the business of reptiles anyway. Just going to say, uh, I, w- I wasn't born in 1984. <laughs> <laughs> People ask how long I've been doing it. I'm like, ooh. Longer than we've been married. Almost 40 years. I get it. We've been 
40 years. So, and I was, yeah. I was, I was born a year later. I wasn't born then. Let me feel, let me feel young for like a minute. No, no, no. You <laughs> turn forty a year before I do. I gotta soak that in. It don't bother me. Although this year I forgot how old I turned and told everybody I was a year younger than I actually was. That's okay. You're allowed. No, your age when you get over like twenty one. So my, you have to- my mom was hilarious in the car. She's like, "Do I need to show you the calculator and show you the math?" <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not really 37 yet. <laughs> Anyways. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I turned 39 this month. Oh, no. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> so, a pet, so, a rept- so it was just a general pet store in 84, not a, because nowadays you have reptile pet stores, but that was not a thing then. Yeah, we, we actually were pretty deep into reptiles in the 80s. I mean, and that was a really fun time because we were getting just tons of stuff that, Nobody, we were getting stuff out of Chile. Uh, we saw some of the first hog island boas that were imported in the country that were dropping babies at three feet. And we got some of the first Solomon Island boas and prehensile tail skinks through uh, Lloyd and uh, Terry Lilly out in California. So we got to see a lot of new stuff and a lot of stuff, sadly, that's not here anymore, not available anymore as well. Yeah, I'd say that there's a lot of things that, uh, then I don't see, I mean, I got into in the early two thousands, way early two thousands. And, and there's a lot of things I saw then that I don't see now, uh, unless you want ball pythons, which I love. Uh, I, I, I don't have it pulled up, but I do love your line on your uh, Facebook, on your morph market, uh, where you make fun of ball pythons. Yeah. Oh. That's how you are. Yes. Yeah. Is that how you knew they were your kind of people? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I tell people all the time if I was doing this for money and knew how to breed ball pythons, I'd breed ball pythons, but I don't know anything about them other than keeping them alive. I accidentally, well, I say accidentally, I put a male and female together last year and then, uh, and then I had eggs at some point and I, mm. oh, nice. wow. congratulations. You're one up on me. It's, uh, that's the only time I bred them, uh, cause I wanted to make a banana ball python. I was like, oh, oh I got a 50% chance of doing that. Bullshit. <laughs> Three babies, not a single banana. Oh no. Uh, well, so we, <laughs> We used to get sacks of a hundred in out of Africa, and we'd go through them and go, oh, "There's an ugly one. There's a pretty one. There's one that's a partial stripe." Ooh, and all these times we were probably chucking some kind of whacked out morph. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's okay though. But <laughs> but y'all, and we'll get into your collection. But y'all do pretty good because y'all do the weird stuff that, like, if you get a clutch of eggs, is going to sell and doesn't have to sit around in a rack for a year and a half because. 70 other people within an hour of you are breeding the exact same thing. Yeah, to, to some extent, it's worked out pretty well for us. Uh, actually, uh, I got one of the best compliments I've ever gotten in Tenley uh, several years ago. A friend of ours, it was a mutual friend of Don Hampers and ours from, from Canada, came down to the Tenley show. I hadn't seen Scotty for probably about 10 years. And he goes, Holy crap, I can't believe you still breed the same cobra food you've bred for all these years. And I go, yes, I do. I still breed the same cobra food. Yeah, but, but you breed really – like, that's a joke, cause, but the joke is people actually do sell ball pythons as cobra food. Like, no. oh, yeah. King rat, too. Really? But, hey, well, all the beauty snakes were brought in for cobra food, so the fact that, that they, they just weren't considered a valuable commodity, they were just feeders. Yeah, they're just feeder snakes. So, you so again, you've been around. I'm not trying to make you feel old, but to, to bring to bring up a point here, you've been around long enough. We talk about well, we talk. Such no, an ass. it's not. I'm <laughs> saying there's a point. Let me get to it. Uh, 
we talk about there being cycles in the hobby, right? And so now you're on an uptick, especially for beauties. So I see beauties now at shows and uh, the price on them is not what it was 20, 30 years ago. They're, from what I've seen, uh, they're going pretty well and everybody wants uh, beauty snakes and some of these weird uh, rat snakes and stuff. So I assume lately it's it's gone pretty well. Well, it was uh, it was a little bit bigger probably about eight years ago or so. It got really cool to hate on the ball pythons and we were sick of seeing ball pythons at the show and we were really selling stuff for goofy money uh my opinion right now i think the asian market is slightly overpriced i mean i'll take it but <laughs> it's like i tell people all the time i bred russian rats and trinket rats when they were 25 dollars a piece and you couldn't give them away and mark bell and i used to joke about giving anybody free escalapian rats if they bought any other snake and now I still do the same things, and I sell them for $200, $250, $300, and can't produce enough of them. Yeah, but feeders are a lot more now. Feeders are a lot more now. And But I think where it, where it separates a lot of people when you look at people who genuinely like the animals that they do is, you know, I used to sell king rats for $85 a piece. You know, now they're $250, $300. I will still breed them when they're if they go back to $85 a piece. If trinket rats went to $50 a piece, I'll still breed trinket rats. I mean, I just, I like them. It's, it's kind of my thing. It's funny the market on stuff. Cause like, uh, I had a litter of rainbow boas a couple of years ago. And when I bought my first rainbow bow, it was 125 bucks. And it was 125 bucks for a rainbow bow for like two decades. Forever, uh-huh. yeah. And then all of a sudden it was like, there's $600. I'm like, no one will pay six hundred bucks, and so I had a litter, and I was like, "I put six hundred bucks on it," and someone gave me six hundred dollars. Like that's ridiculous. You should. <laughs> I mean, I'm going to take it, but I like I took it home and I was like, "How the hell did I get six hundred dollars for a rainbow?" And it wasn't even anything. It was just a rainbow boa. Well, I tell most people are probably sick of hearing me say it, but I tell people work with what you like. It shouldn't matter if you sell it for five dollars or five hundred bucks. Work with what you like, but you'll have a hell of a lot more fun when you sell it for five hundred bucks. <laughs> oh yeah. What's well, that's, that's I, it, that one amazed me. Um, and then I, I mean, I sold like six and 500 bucks. So it was easy to sell them too. And it's just so weird. And then I watched like, uh, there's just so many things like doomer bows. When I got into the hobby, were 125 bucks for forever. And then all of a sudden they're like, these are $800. I'm like, all right, look, I like doomer's bows as much as the next person, but it's not an $800 snake. Uh, yep. we got to stop that. Like that, that I, like, they should I, definitely be more than 125 bucks. Cause it stops the impulse buy, but it shouldn't be $800. Well, everybody quit breeding and they started doing ball pythons. So all these animals that were super common in the hobby when we started and up uh, until maybe 10 years ago, they've all got pushed to the side by people breeding uh, tons and tons of ball pythons and they make a great pet. I I can't take that away from them. But the variety of things that people breed has really, really um, been condensed into a very small fraction of what we used to see. Look at every show. Imagine 10 years ago versus today. Oh yeah. Well, it's weird. Like when I also do, uh, sand bows and a lot of times when I've been to sand bow, a show at, uh, a reptile show, I'm like the only sand bow, a breeder there. Like there may be somebody with a one or two on a table they picked up, yep. but I'm like that, that's a common, like that's a great pet snake that it is. no one else is. It's just so weird. I'm not going to complain if I'm the only one there, it's going to help me, but I do like CP I, people get them. I'm a huge sand bow fan. They're one of the first snakes I used read. to breed them years ago. They're great snakes. Highly underappreciated. Yeah. Um, so you're, uh, in a weird spot doing rat snakes, especially Asian rats, because I assume it's, it's a weird area of, uh, for a long time, a lot of it was imports, right? Mm-hmm. And then, but you're also dealing in an area now where you're doing a lot of captive bread, which 
which definitely awesome. price wise, you kind of sometimes have to compete with someone selling an import versus a captive bred. Uh, yeah. well, how does that go for you? Well, a lot of, uh, well, we try to save people from wild caught stuff, but a lot of times you can't uh, because they look at it as a cheap option. Mm. And I think a lot of people are unrealistic in their goals when they go that direction. I mean, because a lot of projects that I have, like um, Coleothignasis flavolineata or black copper rats, those are junk snakes. They're $25 garbage snakes. And when I wanted to get into them, I knew I was going to buy 12. And I knew I was putting six right in the freezer. And I was going to get a couple of them probably to make it. And when they two of them really turned around and did well, they were both going to be males. <laughs> so, you know, it's a difficult time sometimes to get into new projects. Um, really right now, probably as breeders of our own, we deal with a lot of uh, pressure out of Europe. Uh, Europeans don't seem to be as interested a lot in the old world stuff as we are here, but they breed a lot of it. So a lot of it comes into the country and hits the table on second and third hand markets, which is fine. Um, I tell people, if you knew how much stuff we'd sent to Europe in the past 20 some odd years, I'm not surprised. But uh, for the last few years, oddly enough for us, the last several years, a vast majority of stuff that we produced were going over to the Asian market overseas. And then when COVID hit, it's just absolutely died. I haven't heard from any of my people over in importers from China and stuff about hitting me up for anything. Well, so, even the brokers at Tenley. Or even the brokers that usually walk through Tenley. You know, they're just not there. So now I'm I'm out banging heads with people a little bit more now than I've been lucky enough not to have to do over the last few years. But, uh, you know, a lot of times with uh, some stuff like red tail green rats, I mean, there's not, there's a few people now that have gotten some that are established and doing well. Um, and now you can almost get some some F1s out of them, but when you're dealing with, uh, you know, if you want to breed red tail green rats or Jansen high rats, uh, sometimes you got to go the import route, but you got to understand when you do that, a lot of it's just a roll of the dice. It doesn't mean if you're a good keeper or a bad keeper, if that animal sat somewhere and dehydrated too long before it was imported in, or it was a stale batch of animals from a late shipment or something that's, it, you know, sometimes stuff just doesn't work in your favor. And you're going to have to vet it. And you're, you're going to have to vet it. You're going to have to pay the vet bill. So what you think is a cheap animal in the beginning is going to cost you more than a captive born in the long run. By the time you have fecals done and you treat for parasites and whatever else it may have. And then you have to keep it quarantined all that time away from your collection. So there's a, a definite downside to doing that. Plus, typically wild cots are very aggressive. Yeah, or aggressive. Very difficult to settle in and, and settle down. But you know they're not taking that $25 rat snake to a vet. Right, exactly. <laughs> well, but they don't. They're just going to lose it. Yeah. I mean, that's yeah. short of it. So And then they, and then they say all the world stuff sucks. Yeah. Because yeah. I don't know how many people have told me, well, I think all king rats are really mean. I don't I don't really have one that's mean. They're few, very food aggressive. But as far as they see your hands, you know, you they, they don't bother you. So but it's all caught. That's a whole different ball of wax. So it's funny you say that. Um, and I didn't tell you about this. So I have a corn snake in my classroom. And I realize that we're talking about two different types of snakes here. Very different types of snakes. But she did something that I've never had happen to me before in all my years with snakes. What? So I went to get her out of her 
out of her tank because I was moving it. And so I was going to hold her while I was moving it. And she opened her mouth and turned and put it on my, my wrist yeah. and then turned away from me. Like she didn't bite me. But it was enough to like. It's because you don't own enough weird ass snakes like hog noses, which will do that stuff. She's never done that before, and <laughs> it was like she was wrapped around something in her cage, and I was trying to untangle her, and she just like turned, and I was like, "Okay, we obviously don't no. want to come out right now." You just need to handle more special ed snakes like hog noses, which will just <laughs> randomly start chewing on anything themselves. Sometimes it was so. Even Joe was just like, um, "I'm good. I'm not going to hold her. I'll move the cage for you." <laughs> My daughter was like, "Nope, nope." Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it was, I've never, I've never had I, her do that before. I won't lie. I have been, been one to like, so in my history with, with old world rats, it, I'm always like, yeah, they're mean. I, my, my experience has never been with super nice ones. Uh, so there was a, I think I've told the story on here. So if my listeners have heard this tough, you can hear it again. Uh, there was a crappy small pet store in our town in Alabama where our college was owned by this crazy ass woman. Anyways, she was one of those, like <laughs> she would get the, uh, the list and just order random shit off the list. And uh, she ordered like a green anaconda right after like, the second anacondas movie came out. I'm like, what the fuck are you thinking? Um, so one day she's like, Hey, I got these snakes in we snakes and we come let them get them out of the bag and set them up for me. Cause I didn't work there, but I'd volunteer for her because I, I had reptiles. So like, yeah, sure. I come in, she bought two, probably four and a half foot uh, red tail green rat snakes and they were the angriest snakes I've ever had to deal with. So they were so bad that she put them in a tank and then had to put cardboard around the entire tank because yep. you couldn't leave it uncovered. Yep. And then she like a week later, she sent them back. She's like, can you calm them down for me? It's like, no. <laughs> I was like, these things are going to hate people. Like, they're, it's yep. just where you're at with them. I mean, they, they were snatched out of the wild probably two weeks ago. And now you're like, hey, someone should own this. Yep. And I think a lot of people with uh, old world stuff, I mean, if you get old world stuff, some stuff can tolerate a little more heat than others, but if you get a you get a king rat too hot, oh, it's going to let you know it's really unhappy with you and everything you're doing. And that was a, uh, and we'll get into some of these uh, replies to our questions this week. But that was kind of some of the issues with why people haven't bought uh, old world rat snakes because it is a temp- temperature thing, right? So in a in a world where most people's snake first snake now is a ball python or maybe a boa, and you know we're keeping things at probably still warmer than we should. You know, when I got into snakes, it was like boas go at 95 degrees. Oh, yeah. My boas yeah. don't like 95 degrees. They, they, they are not fans of it. But uh, imagine if you're keeping a boa or a ball python at 90 and then you get into some of the old world rats. That's a completely different setup. But some people don't realize it because they go to a show and they buy whatever it is off of some random table and they assume, mm-hmm. well, I've kept a snake. I'm going to keep it the same way. So, so how do you how do you uh, combat the whole having to reteach people how to keep snakes that have already like, I've got snakes. I know what I'm doing. Well, I usually have to tell people, take everything that you know about a reptile and throw it out the window and listen to what I'm trying to tell you here. And actually, wife handles, and I call her wife, so don't get upset. Wife, Amy, (laughs) handles most of our sales and stuff over the Internet. And over the years, uh, particularly with things like, uh, well, almost everything we sell, uh, if we get a bad buy from somebody, we get somebody that doesn't want to listen or somebody that wants to put rubber bows in their 85 degree ball python room or whatever it is, we won't sell it to them. I don't have to. I don't have to. Mm-hmm. Like I got a box for it. It can sit right here. Um, but it is a large amount of education to educate people that there's more than one way to keep stuff. There's more than one way to do temperatures. But, you know, if you start looking at a, at a, at a cold collection, which is kind of what I tagged my main room, 
as a cooler collection, you have to change your entire thought process where you have to go smaller meals more often. I mean, if uh, it's like I've got some eight foot Mullendorf rats or hundred flower rats that can eat, you know, a, a good size rat, but at 72 degrees in three days, they're going to give it back to me. Mm. So I'm better off and you're better off to feed smaller meals more often. In fact, most all of my stuff, when I feed it, you really can't tell it. You know, it's, that's how I feed the majority of my adult stuff. And uh, so you have to kind of wrap your mindset around looking at it from a different angle. You know, when, you know, I show people pictures of how we do uh, mandarin rats and, and uh, we have a lot of people that complain about how we keep our baby mandarin rat. And I've had pictures where I was shown on our Facebook page where our baby mandarin rats will live in a six inch deli cup on the bottom of an unheated floor on a rack at 68 degrees for about eight months before I'll ever move them to anything bigger. Or sell. Because that's what they want. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? uh, and so just because you want to keep them a certain way or, and I get a lot of that with uh, like, and it's, and it's not a slight against any of the groups, but I don't belong to a single reptile group on in social media. Um, I used to, and I used to try to help and people go, I, I can't get my bamboo rat to eat. Okay, well, how do you set up? It's in a 29 gallon bioactive, six inch deep substrate. And I'm like, well, how are you ever going to feed it? Because you can't find it. Yeah. And then when you get up, the last thing it wants to do is eat, it's going to run. So I say, you're not going to like what I tell you. Take it out, put it in a six inch deli cup, and leave it to hell alone with a water bowl and a, hide, a little hide box. And it'll, it'll eat probably within a week. What? You know, a lot of people want to argue uh, rack systems too, and I I, I keep samboas, and like that's a snake that I think does amazing. Right? Don't get me wrong; you can, I'm sure you could put a sambo and people do it in a twenty gallon or forty gallon tank with tons of hides, right. but they do really well in a drawer in the dark and mm-hmm. eat really well, breed really well, and, and they're healthy. Um, yep. But well, I, you know, I I hear a lot of debate and a lot of people about you know that bitch and complain about rack systems and. You know, myself personally, and I've tried it. I'm trying it with a couple right now, and I'm not really happy with the overall. I mean, the animals seem okay, but I'm not really feeling the bioactive bug, and that's fine. I'm an old dude. I grew up a tubber, a square foot gardener, if you wanted to call it that. But when you try to explain to some of these people, I look at the reptile hobby as being very similar to the tropical fish hobby. You have some people that just love breeding animals, just love breeding the fish. And I was a fish breeder before I was a reptile breeder. And you got some people that want fully planted tanks and, you know, uh, and you got some people that want, you know, uh, biotopes of certain things. Everybody goes about things different. But because that one guy or because that one farm or because that one breeder wants to breed angelfish in a 20-gallon tank with a piece of slate, is why you can walk into a Petco and buy an angelfish for $1.99. Same with reptiles. Mm. You know, because the the guys like Gary Sipperly and Bill Brandt and Mark Bell and John Mack and Lloyd Lemke and all these guys that I've known for years broke it down that way is why we can go to a, sh- a show and go, holy cow, when did Amel Corns become a $45 animal? <laughs> you know, because they were usually $25. Well, yeah. And- so they're, there's a need for all of it. There's a place for it in the hobby of any way, shape, or form uh, that somebody sees fit. I just want 
my main thing as a hobbyist is that I want somebody to have a positive experience in the hobby. And a lot of times it's not going to be with one of my animals. You know, and I'm not afraid to tell people that, you know, I think you need to have something to start with and kind of get your feet wet. And then if you want a beauty snake, you know, definitely we'll help you out with that. But I don't think it's, you know, necessarily a 10 year old kid's first pet. Oh yeah. Well, and when it goes to caging, look, you've, you breed plenty of snakes that would make really awesome, uh, display snakes, you know, and yeah. a nice big vivarium and all that. But you also have a lot of snakes. And so you can't, someone can't expect you to have all of your snakes in a bioactive setup. Cause as much as people are like, it's so much easier. It's really not when you multiply it by a hundred, at least not in my mind. It's not. And, and, and a couple of instances, and I'm not saying everybody and I'm not saying everything. And you can send me, Hey, I hate me. I don't care. A lot of times to me, it caters, I think to the lazy keeper. I don't want to leave shit in my cages. I don't want to leave skin in my cages because some bug in there wants to eat it. You know, I, I couldn't, I can't do it that way. Now I will say I like the looks of it. Um, I am looking at more caging for some of the animals. We actually wound up backhandedly going into a second room that we have made a larger uh, baby room, inventory room, and an area where I can breed some of the warmer species I like like Barron's racers and uh, Pytus mucosa, a couple of larger forms. And those animals, and, and I've got some Janssen's rats now, and those animals, I do believe, do much better in a cage. I'm not going to beat them to death and throw them in a drawer rack because that's what I want to do. Yeah, I think everything about them tells me they want to be in a cage, and I think they do much better in a cage. But now my mandarins and rubber bows and things like that, uh, my mandarins, you know, my adult mandarins stay in about a 28, I'd say about a 28 quart Rubbermaid. I use uh, Cambro boxes. Strongly suggest people invest in Cambro restaurant boxes because they'll last forever. And they can see you coming. And they can see me coming. That's yeah. And being an old school herber, I'm still learning all the time. I learned real quick that you don't want old world stuff in opaque front tubs. Well, you're talking about visual. My- Those are very They're- visual animals. Right. And every time, you know, and I noticed uh, when I tried some of them that every time I'd open the tub, they go, ah, take off running. But with a clear front, they see me coming and they're much calmer. That makes um, sense. So you know, I learn all the time and I'm always open to change certain things if I deem it necessary. But, you know, when it, I have one goal before I die, I told my wife that I want to have a hundred breeder mandarin rats. Jeez. Just, just so I can say, Here's a hundred Mandarin rats. You can all buy them now. Yeah. I have a hundred. I'm You're done. On the way. Well, I, I'm only. I've got about fifty right now, and uh, and I think they're great animals. But those things don't want a lot. Of, they don't want light. They don't want heat. Um, okay, most so- of the time, until uh, and actually, I'm having to relearn with them because we had a slight catastrophe in my Mandarin room new uh, Christmas Eve. A uh, year before last, I was going to bring that. I remember seeing it get posted, and I, I was—it it hurt me on the inside to see it. But a lot of times, well, people say, "Well, I don't like manners because they're weak," and I'm like, "Okay." So we came in from shopping Christmas Eve to about five inches of water in our basement floor mm-hmm. because a water pipe in the ceiling broke, oh. and that was the oldest room in the house. That room usually stayed about sixty-eight degrees, and I had all of my mandarins in that room. With no heat. And it was about two degrees outside. It was about two degrees outside. Every mandarin cage I had was flooded. Um, half of them were being electrocuted by something. I didn't know what it was. It was a heat tape. A heat, a heat cable somewhere. 
because I don't have heat on them, but the heat cable somewhere. And so when I'm fishing these guys out of four inches of 20 degree water or 35 degree water, however cold it was, and you have to keep in mind too, I'm not sitting around with like 50 open cages to put these things in. Well, they were lifeless. Just, they were so cold. Yeah. They were just lifeless. And this was a, this was an old 40 year old melamine full thread rack that I'd gotten from Norm Dam, who's a, a godfather of Honduras that I've known forever. And of course, you know, melamine and water is a really good combination. <laughs> that rack took a took a shit. And all I think I could do was take these half-frozen, wet-soaked, electrocuted mandarins and throw them right into hibernation. Oh, man. And that's where they... And at, when it was all said and done, I still had about 10 clutches of eggs last year and I only lost one animal. Wow. That's and So they're... They're a hell of a lot tougher. I'm saying that's pretty damn. tough, little damn snake. That's yes, a tough little damn. Well, I mean, to steal a line out of Hooper's line in Jaws, snakes are perfect little machines. They crawl, they eat, and they make little baby snakes. <laughs> of course, he was talking about the park. But. Okay, so I've got to know them because. Um, so I, I teach fourth grade English, but I'm the zoology club sponsor. So we have like eight different class pets in our classroom. Our bearded dragon pooped today. And one of my kids was like, Miss Lewis, you need to clean that. I said, that just happened and it's gooey. Would you like to take it out? Because I'm going to let it sit for about an hour and harden up before I take it out. Um, oh, yeah. But it smells horrible. And I know how corn snakes smell. Hog noses, Hog noses are horrendous. So do the old world rat snakes, because I don't really know a whole bunch about them because we don't have any, but do they smell horrible when they go to the bathroom as well? No, they don't tend to be. I mean, you know, you'll get some uh, repercussions like on, uh, you know, a happy, exciting chick day here. Yeah. Uh, that loosens stools a lot. Well, um, the worst thing they do is they like to poop in their water bowl. Yeah. Yeah. They like to crap. Which is nice. I appreciate it. But it really but, smells terrible. Yeah, it smells really bad. But yeah. uh, I could for walk. the most part, I used to breed indigos, and they're nothing oh. at all like it. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's- yeah, we bred indigos in our bedroom. That was awful. It's true love. <laughs> I, uh, that's that's one. So that's, okay, I, I do want to get into in some of the questions here, because we're going to bring up some of these points as we talk about them. But the indigos are one of the ones where, like, I, I want Eastern indigo so bad, but I know myself and the way it works does not fit how I keep snakes. There's a reason I keep boas. They eat once, they shit once. It's a great system. Uh, and then like my corn snakes, they eat once, they shit four times. That it's annoying as hell. So uh, let's go into the question. I'm gonna, I'll read the question and then I'll go through uh, all the answers and then we'll go back and we can and visit on them. But uh, the question was, have you ever owned an old world rat snake? And if you haven't, why not? I think I misspelled haven't. Maybe it is. Is there an E in haven't? You I totally misspelled 100% that. One hundred percent spelled that wrong. Not Facebook's fault for not telling me. But I also never check your posts, so I also I probably could have been better co-host. I was supposed to. This is eight fifteen at night, so I probably wasn't paying attention. What time? Eight fifteen. Oh, I was probably watching a game or something. I'm Anyways, ready for bed. Uh, so our friend Danielle says she hasn't because uh, just doesn't have the opportunity, but she hopes to someday. Then our buddy Jason Miloradovich. Uh, is a boa guy. He 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 like me as a sand boa guy. He has Russian sand boas and rubber sand boas, and we have Calabar burrowing boas. And then he also does some of the other uh, smaller boa species out of Central America. Um, 
Melissa Fujimoto said, I love old world rat snakes and rat snakes in general. They have such, oh man, it's a long one. Okay. They have such distinct personalities, not just hungry like some uh, colubrids. I'm looking at uh, at you, king snakes. My, I'm going to mispronounce this. E. Sure. Mm. Yep, that's it. From you guys. Won't even strike if I put my hand in for maintenance. Uh, they're so, so intelligent, easygoing, curious little snakes. My S, God, freaking Kaluber people and their damn scientific <laughs> names. Uh, Atriceps. Atriceps? Oh, Atriceps, yeah. yeah. Yep. Is Diadem. Huh? Royal Diadem Rat. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's another thing. There's like five. I, I don't think people realize how many freaking rat snakes there are when you start there's getting into them. There's a bunch. And there's a bunch that still way. should be. Well, that's the one thing that kind of helped us in Tenley because Tenley had started with the health permit and you have to list all your names, all the scientific names of the animals that you have and stuff. And it's always been my understanding that a Latin name is never wrong. It can be out of date, but it's never wrong. So it's amazing how many Laffe I have on my table in Tenley. A lot. A lot. I, really st- <laughs> I still miss corn snakes being a laughing because it was just funny saying a laughing katata katata. I miss that. Yeah. Uh, Melissa, also said, uh, Melissa also said, don't get me wrong. Some individuals are spicy for sure. All of mine stop being so defensive by the time they're past the juvenile age and realize I'm not going to eat them. I really enjoy having an active snake that uses the entire enclosure, has really neat behaviors, and eats well, and is visually stunning and great for handling. That's so. All the attributes of Asians. Well, some. <laughs> there are some Asians that are much more handleable than others, yes. I will agree with Melissa. Uh, Carl England says he has rhinos and Ridley Eye. Both are incredible. Uh, rhinos are neat. I, I like rhinos. Um, rhinos are neat. They're extremely water-orientated. Yeah. Would, yeah. I've had them eat 60 degrees laying in a water bowl. Jeez. That's... Mm-hmm. That's like, uh, well, we'll get into rubber bows later. That's another weird-ass snake. Uh, yes, <laughs> Jessica Coleman said, mostly because since I'm on the rescue side, I don't usually buy animals. Not that I'm against it. I'm not. I always just have so many that adding more on purpose seems like work and was going to purchase a reptile. It would be another monitor. Ooh, that's more work than I'm willing to do. Yep. <laughs> uh, also, I need to point out to anybody that heard, you see how she said she was a res- rescue and doesn't go looking to buy animals? <laughs> Stop fucking posting on Facebook your shopping list as a rescue. That's not how that works. You're, you're not a rescue if you're asking for animals. I agree. Yeah, we yeah. I see that a lot. Uh, Angel Villalobos said the temperament is why uh, they don't have them. My mentor has a few Alafa Carnata, Carn Carn yeah Carnata Carnata, and Lord, those things are not nice. <laughs> Ideally, I want a king rat or a tiger rat. Uh, and for the Mandarin rats and the likes, the and the likes, the temperature requirement isn't the easiest. They're in Florida, so it's harder for them to maintain the cooler okay. temps. Well, actually, like Mandarins probably work okay down there if you want to put a vivarium in your living room. Yeah, with no heat on it, they'd probably be thrilled. Mm-hmm. Oh, I can tell you right now, my house is sixty-eight they, year round. Yeah, they'll be able to live in our house no problem because I don't understand people with uh, heated snake rooms. Like a lot of these people, when we get to them, the problems were temperature, and I'm like, mm, no, my, my snake room is air conditioned. I'm fat. I sweat a lot. There's no way I'd go yep. in there and clean cages if it was sweating I'm my not. ass off. I'm old and I'm fat and I don't want to sweat anymore. Yeah, it's not fun. No, I used to do a lot of bows and used to do a lot of pythons. I really like them. Um, and look to do some again sometime. There's some I want to work with I never have. But uh, 
Yeah, it's down the road. I just get cranky. Like, we lost yeah. power at school the other day in a storm for like an hour at the end of the day. And I'm like, it is hot. Can we just yeah. sit somewhere and read a book? Like, we don't have to do anything else today, guys. And that's what we did. Two kids took a nap and everybody else read a book. I was like, I just don't want to, I don't want to move around anymore. <laughs> oh, yeah, egg laying season. I, I sweat a lot more if my eggs get above, anywhere above 80 for any amount of time. They can drop down 60, 65 for a day or two. I don't care, but above 80 worries me. Well, we kind of cheat here in Ohio because when it's hibernation time, we just turn off all the lights and crack the window and we're good. Uh, nice. My stuff's not going down the next week. I'm way behind the market, but. Don't care. But that's the weather here for some weird reason. It's kind of shifted where winter is starting much later now than in the past. Well, that's where I've talked, uh, I've mentioned in the past about uh, brumation for certain things and here and there. People are like, yeah, just put it uh, put it in a room and open the window or do this. Or, but I'm like, that doesn't work for us here because, yes, no. this week it will probably get down into the 30s at some point. But the week after, it could be 75 degrees. Like, oh, until this next week coming up so well i noticed that i was getting some uh a lot of issues i wasn't happy with uh several years ago with things like small clutches and functity issues and stuff along those lines and and uh i kind of looked at my schedule and i'm like i'm trying to put stuff down in december and christmas time half time we're running around with windows open and shorts on and it's 55 60 degrees and my stuff wants to eat at 55 60 degrees <laughs> So, you know, I just pushed it back last year and had a really good year last year by starting a little bit later. So, so that's what everybody's going to sleep next week because the high one day next week's supposed to be twelve. Yeah. Jeez. So, everybody. Damn. Zero nights and twelve degree days. Yep. I'll pass on that. That's Holy too cold. Crap. And here I'm like, we got a low next week of twenty four. You've got to get the house ready. <laughs> <laughs> my sister lives in Florida. She's the same way. 50 <laughs> degrees. Cracks me up. Yeah. Uh, a few more on here. Uh, Laura Vinsel, who's in the chat, says, uh, I've kept a number of Asian rat snake species, Mandarin, Coxi, cl- come on, Climacophora? Climacophora. Rhino, Russian, and Taiwan, and a few European species, Leopard and Ladder. Uh, loves them mm-hmm. all. And then we had some, let's see, uh, Colubra Dad says, that's the only way to, oh, I mean, it's in the name, so. They obviously had them. Uh, Copperhead Reptilia says, I keep seven species. And I asked, uh, what, what were they? Uh, Thai bamboo rats, twin spotted mandarins, Ridley eye, Russian, Japanese, and Chinese king rat. Um, do, 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 do. Animal. Nope. That says, man, people with weird names. And anyways, this person says, it's only a few uh, a matter of time. Um, bum, 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 bum. I'm just seeing what else we got. Um, this person says, uh, why not? It's because they're an idiot. Uh, that's why they haven't owned any. Uh, yet for me, I know, I know it's it, one, it's, it's a history of just seeing imports and they all hate me and want to kill me. And so that's my only experience. Um, but, but also they don't, they don't fit my, I'm, I'm, I'm a lazy keeper. I'm not going to lie. I'm a lazy keeper and I know it. And that's why boas are great for me because they can be lazy with me. Uh, my, the worst I have is like my Louisiana pine snakes. They shit kind of, kind of a lot. So I got to watch them. And then I've got a couple of king snakes. Um, but all that stuff also does well at my temperatures. The only really weird ones that I have that temperature wise are the rubber boas. Um, but Mm -hmm. you know, I've got a speckle King and a Mexican black King. They're fine at whatever temperature. And I've got pine snakes and corn snakes. They're fine at whatever temperature. There's no requirements there. Um, well, you could, you could, you've got room to probably try some, a handful of different ones that can handle a little warmer temperatures. 
any Japanese rad would probably do real well for you. And, and I'm really a, sweet. Yeah, you know, and I'm a huge fan of Taiwan beauties. Yeah, I mean, if you think uh, if you think bull snake can put away some wasted food, try Taiwan. <laughs> you don't have any other waste when you got Taiwans and king rats in your collection. And they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's that's why and I like. I like boas. I never have to worry about feeding wise with boas. Like that's another thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, with sambos, it's weird. So sambo is the only time they stop feeding is it's males, and it's for about three months. They only want one thing. They don't want to eat. Uh, which is why it's always I was always laughing Facebook groups when someone freaks out about their sambo and not eating. I'm like, is it a boy? Yeah, mm-hmm. you're okay. Yeah, we get that a lot with rubber boas. I mean, like I said, I'm I'm actually, and you know, I, I, I've been kind of leaking it out there over the last couple of years. I'm kind of trying to phase my rubber boas out. Okay. Uh, most of mine are getting so old, um, and I'm not getting litters like I was, and. And to be honest with you, I've bred them so long, I'm kind of looking to move on to something else. But rubber <laughs> boas. enough of them out there. Yeah. I put enough of them out there. Russ Cormack's doing really well with rubber boas. Um, hopefully he picks it up. And a couple other people have got some going. Uh, but uh, uh, I'm happy to talk to anybody that needs any help or, or assistance. But if you're going to breed rubber boas, like all our babies are usually born very late summer and fall. And we don't even feed them. Just put them right into hibernation. That's what I've heard and a lot of people say is they go straight into brumation with those things. That You're wasting your time trying to feed them. And then, and rubber boas are lazy and they much prefer frozen thaw stuff. I've taken wild caught rubber boas from Oregon, which is where the, about one of the last places you could get them until they've shut them down here over the last few years, I think. And I've had wild right out of the, right out from under the bush, rubber boas take frozen thaw like they've been doing it their whole life. I, uh, so. so I've talked about, I've got, well, I had two pairs. So I've got, uh, one female and then I've got a pair. Uh, I did buy, I bought a pair from y'all. That was the first rubber boas I ever gotten. I grew up wanting one so bad because of the, the Audubon field guide. Oh, book. I didn't know like, you got it from them. Yeah. So when, you know, you open it up and there's just pretty like olive green rubber boa in it. And my entire life was like, I want that snake. And it was a dream. And then three years ago, I finally got a pair from y'all and, and Katie can, she was there when I opened the box. I, I've never mm. been happier in my entire life, and that includes our wedding. Uh, <laughs> and so I'm used to it; it's cool. Um, okay. And then, so I got them, he and then snuck the snakes into our wedding vows. When we, I'm totally interrupting you, so yes, go ahead and complain. No, about go ahead. It. When we got married, we got married at the Dolphin Island Estuarium in Dolphin Island, Alabama, because I'm originally from Mobile, and we got married on the end of the pier, and all of our family, with the exception of like our immediate family, they were all like back and forth, so they didn't hear it. So we're on the end of the pier, and we're saying our vows, and you know, it's like. What's mine is yours and yours is mine and da 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 da. And he he repeats the line and he goes, except for the snakes. And I just busted out like It's legally binding. It's legally binding. They're mine. Of me laughing in the middle of our vows. And nobody (laughs) else heard him but me and the justice of the peace. Like we were the only two that heard what he said. And the and because he mumbles, he goes, I'm not even gonna go there. I don't even know what you're talking about. Like, cause he didn't know. That James bred snakes. You got to cover so, your ass. That's, oh a, that's legally binding, Katie. Those so are mine. You can't take them. Funny. <laughs> so funny. But uh, so I got that pair, and then I think like a year later, I found someone else that had like two pair, and a friend wanted a pair, and I, so we bought them. But that was the weirdest snakes I've ever gotten. And they came in. <laughs> it was not a obviously a professional breeder. Uh, it came in like a um, a fish uh, filter box, like the they had bought a, a filter for a twenty gallon tank. And they still had the box. <laughs> And oh. so they were inside of 
deli cups inside of that box packed with paper. T- it was the weirdest. Anyways, they came alive. We were good. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, but I've had them for three years. Like I said, before we got on here, I did lose. I've talked about before. I lost one my, my mail. Um, I was putting them through rumation every year and then I brought him out and he was fine. He was eating and then he just died. And I'm, it's one of those things. Things sometimes just die. If you keep enough snakes at some mm. point, it happens. But, uh, yeah, I got, I, I've got to get more rubber boas. I want like the way that you want a hundred mandarins. I will take an entire rack of rubber boas. <laughs> well, you will never be overstocked in baby rubber boas. That's for sure. No, no, that they, they, I remember getting them from you. They popped up and like, I think I messaged like immediately because they sell so quick. Uh, they do go fast. I'll never forget when he told me, he was like, I found rubber boas. I was like, oh God. I freaking love them. And then every day that first year that they were brumated. So brumation was, was, uh, was rough for me. Uh, I, I brumated them and uh, I checked on them. 20 times a day at least because it's a, so, so for people that don't own rubber boas, they're a weird fucking snake, especially for someone who owns sand boas. And I'm like, Very different. yeah, I'm like these things. I keep them at 90 degrees and they're happy. Meanwhile, we have these with ice on the box. Well, yeah, they're the, in the, the boxes. I bought, I bought a, a, a wine cooler <laughs> and I, so I use the wine cooler to roommate them and I put them in the box and the box has ice on the outside of it. And they're just like cruising around still peeing. Yeah. I'm like, what the hell are you doing? Stop moving. <laughs> Yep. Oh God! I mean, that was the funniest. There was ice starting to form on the inside of the box. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. I'm gonna keep moving. It's fine. Like when <laughs> we finally get babies, I think that's the only thing that's gonna top. They won't that sell first though. Season. I won't sell any. Oh, I know you won't. They won't. I don't know how many <laughs> liters it will take before I sell a rubber boa, but it. I don't know the number. I, I think they're a lot of fun, but they've got they've got that that name attached to them, which makes a lot of people not want to listen to how you take care of them. Oh, I, uh, it was very weird. One, putting them in a cooler and letting them just freeze Two, Uh for most of the time. I, uh, I've kept them. I've kept them like in a shoebox in a closet. They're not even near a rack right now. They are, they were, they were tricky trying to get back on food, but they're in the bottom of a rack. That is all of my other colubrids. So it's pretty cool. And they've got like an inch and a half thick of cocoa bedding and uh sphagnum. Also, they're nowhere near the heat. Um, Mm -hmm. But they, my my female from y'all, I'm told you earlier, is a pig. I can, I can feed her pinkies nonstop, and so that's another thing that's fun. Is like I'll just throw like a handful of pinkies in there. I'm like, y'all are nestraders. Enjoy your handful of pinkies. <laughs> well, when uh, uh, we were Lloyd Lemke invited us out to learn how to be snake breeders back in the late '80s, and we went out there, and he and I went collecting, uh, just looking for rubbers. Uh, we didn't send anything back back then, but we were just running around. And he's showing me stuff and. He was very fit and I wasn't, and he was trying to kill me. And, uh, and, uh, but we did have some fun, but we did find a couple of baby rubber bows and it was interesting because, uh, they puked up, uh, small lizard eggs. Oh, wow. They puked up about six or eight, must be a type of fist, fence swift, scalopters of some sort out there. And I always thought that was kind of cool. And that was my first indoctrination with, uh, with rubber bows was finding them with, uh, Lloyd out there. What do you think is the reason? Because I've never understood it. You know, again, I, I like all boas, but I, I live in North America and I'm amazed that we have one of the coolest boas and like no one owns them. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that they're not as popular as they, I, I feel they should be, but they're not. I think uh, a lot of times, uh, a lot of people look at boas being a penile extension. <laughs> yeah. Thing that looks like an earthworm, don't cut it to most ladies. 
And so I don't think they've ever caught on in popularity. Uh, I think that their low production uh, doesn't really a, attract a lot of people. I mean, they're, they're doing it for money. Yeah, people that have gotten into it more for money. Um, I actually get into projects more, uh, and like a couple of people mentioned, what will fit in my system. You know, if it's, you know, I'm, I'm too old to try to jam square pegs into round holes anymore. And rubber boas fit right in you know, to what we do being cooler, loving animals. And I, and I don't really know because they're not big. Uh, they are a little quirky. Uh, you have to really change your, your entire thought press process to wrap your head around the care and keeping of a rubber boa. And I think that's scares a lot of people off. We don't help a whole lot because we tell just as many people that get a hold of us wanting to bond that you don't want them. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you tell me you're not going to hibernate it, you're just going to keep it awake all year. And you, and I know it's just going to die. It's going to lose weight and just be miserable. I'm not going to sell it to you yeah. because I'm, I'm sentenced to that snake to death. I mean, I want to, I don't make that many and I don't want to send one. I know they're just going to kill it because I don't have to sell it. Rob has a job. You know, the animals are something that we do because we enjoy it. And this is the first year I haven't brumated them um, because they kept, they kept eating. I was like, okay, well, you're going to keep eating. Cause I mean, they are, what you probably, Northern Cali's, I would say that's what we produce yeah. the most of, and they'll, they'll until they get sexually mature um, at about four and five years old, um, and once that happens, like most of our males, they're done in October. Halloween, they, they're done. They're not going to eat again. Forget it. And I don't, you know, I keep them up. You know, you're just going to have to gut it out with the girls, um, and they probably really won't eat really start eating well till maybe may mm-hmm. or june mm-hmm. but the key with uh the key with rubber boas most problems people have with rubber boas is in the males because they have such a short active feeding season it's about three three and a half months and so in that period of time is when i will separate the males out and i will try to put as much calories in those males as humanly possible or what happens is if you don't, you know, then the next year they're maybe a little thinner, and then the next year they're a little thinner, and then third breeding season you'll lose them. Well, that's uh, the other weird thing about them is, you know, it's definitely not a snake you can get into. Like, All right, I'm going to get the, you know, ball pythons. I'm going to get them and breed them in 18 months. Well, right. That, that's not going to happen with these. These these are a long-term thing uh, when you yeah. get them as a baby. And, uh, you know, I, I – Yeah, we've got a couple that are 30. Really? That are – we got – Actually, the way that I set uh, gravid females up, we learned from a gentleman by the name of Bob, who used to collect them up in Washington. And Washington rubber boas are smaller and darker, got a little more of a yellow belly on them as a whole. And uh, some of the first ones I got from him, like back in the early 90s, uh, they quit producing a couple years ago, but they'll just live out their days here. But, uh, um, you know, they're... uh, uh, a lot of fun. I mean, when you get to the point where you're wanting to breed them, and there's a little secret for all you rubber boa breeders out there. Best way I found to set up gravid females is take you about a 15 to 20 long aquarium, stack egg crates up at one end, and put a light over top of the egg crates with about a 15, 20 watt bulb in it. Hmm. The female thermal regulate themselves up and down in and out of that egg crating. Like working through a, ro- a stack of rocks or something in the wild. So- but it's much easier to keep clean and keep tabs and find your babies. And not get crushed. Yes. There you go. I, uh, 
I'll have to I'll have to try that in five years when they're finally ready. But yeah, Bob told me that, so I can't take credit for that. And it's worked out well for me. The only only other animal that we have that's that's worse than rubber boas is like watching grass grow or Mullendorf rats or hundred flower rat snakes. They're a six to seven year sexual maturity project. Jeez. How long do they live? Uh, they're out of uh, Southeast Asia. No, no, no. What's their, how, what's their lifespan? Mm-hmm. Like if it takes six to seven years to sexually uh, mature? You know, I would say that they can easily get into the 30s. Okay. That's but back in the 80s and 90s, they used to import them and they would remove gallbladders out of them. And most all of them would die when they came into the country. So it took a very long time to get any of them established here. Why? Like they the, just took this, the gallbladder out? Yep. Yeah. And they, they could a, do it really, eat, really swiftly yeah. and and carefully, and you couldn't even see there was an. Yeah, incision. they're going between the scales. And oh wow! On uh, Mullendorf and mandarins primarily, and that's why they, you know, they would bring them into the country and sell them for twenty five, thirty bucks. You, you can just that. assume, Katie, that if it's something in Asia and they're taking out a body part, okay, they're eating. They think it. that okay. it helps their penis get hard. That's like, always the I'm like, go-to. Why would you take it out of the snake? I'm so confused. Just assume it's penis related. I'm like, is there a bug in it or something that you don't want to transfer? Good lord. Nope. <laughs> they have- yeah, they, they have all kinds of yeah. aphrodisiac things that they, they Okay. Do. Okay. I'm picking so, up what you're laying down. <laughs> <laughs> Any aspiring Mullendorf breeders out there, I suggest you do Mullendorfs very similar to mice. You get you a pair, wait about two years, buy you another pair, about two years, buy you another pair. Because mm-hmm. Murphy's Law, you're going to spend seven years to raise those animals up. And something's going to happen and your female's going to die. And you're never going to find a lone female. And if you start raising another one, now your male's going to be 15, 16 years old by the time that female gets old enough and big enough to breed. Oh. So I think if you start them, stagger them out there, you won't be out of the game when something happens. Because, you know, you're dealing with a live animal and, and stuff happens. You know, shit happens. Yeah. And All Murphy's Jack- Law is a bitch. Or Japanese king rat. <laughs> well... Yeah, Japanese king rats. I imported the, or we imported the first Japanese king rats, the Yunganensis, into the country a handful of years ago. And we kept a couple pair and sold a couple of pair. Uh, they were the first ones into the country. Um, we had some problems here and there. We raised a pair, put them together, and they bred. She blew up, looked great, and rolled over and died on her anniversary. Yeah, that sucked. No. <sighs> but luckily, the gentleman who's a friend of mine that I sold the other pair to, was the first one to breed them in the United States, actually breed them in the United States. And he actually gave me a pair, yeah. so that was really nice. Of That's good. Yeah. I, that was. I talk on here all the time. I feel, I feel like uh, people should talk about the negatives more in the hobby. We're a hobby where a lot of people are afraid to talk about the negatives of stuff, but I think that people coming into the hobby need happens well yeah like so i had a sand boa that was i was expecting i think it was like a month ago where i was expecting babies i walk in there one day and i just find a pile of infertile ovums i'm like oh that was a waste and then yep. uh i'd lost a i had a female die on me she was pregnant was rough. and then like was about to was about to burst and i come home and like we went out of town for the weekend and came oh. home and could smell it when we opened the door and it was one of those weird ones where like you know sometimes you see when they die, they grab like their like their, like i assume they're grabbing their heart it looks like they're grabbing their heart with their mouth they come around and they bite themselves right. i come yeah. in she's biting herself i'm like god i was i was about to come home to babies not a dead snake uh and so like that killed me um <laughs> it's it's part of it you know and it's 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 part of dealing with living stuff and you don't like it, but you have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. So here's a question. Um, just because you guys 
have kind of seen a rotation of things in the hobby. And this is actually something we should start asking people. Um, have you seen any type of a pendulum with people talking about negative versus not talking about the negative? For example, like my co-teacher's husband just got over COVID and another coworker said, you know, if this would have been two years ago, we wouldn't even be like, wanting to be in the same room with somebody but now we're like oh it's just like the flu I, and blah, blah, blah. i imagine in the 80s people were far more likely to tell you like what have, was going on has there ever been like more of an open situation with let's let's share the negative or mm. is, was it just kind of like a vent fest it was a smaller community in the 80s when we started we were just kids and don hamper took us under his wing he was here in columbus and uh and through him we met everybody that wrote all the books and started all the shows. And so we kind of grew up with this and, and, you know, the, they were really honest about things that happened for them and things that worked and things that didn't, and were really gracious to share with us. So I have no problem telling you our successes and our failures because they don't, aren't all successes, obviously. And when you deal with live animals, things just happen, whether you're breeding horses or birds or fish, it, it just happens. Sometimes pairs don't, don't cohabitate. I had a male king rat eat a female. I mean, not something you want to happen, but they were together. I got a phone call. I turned around and he had her half down and stuffed and she was dead. I mean, yeah. and <clears throat> so it happens. I mean, that was a one and done. So now if we're breeding something for the first time, we're in the room. And if you hear a tail slapping or somebody doing something, you're right over there putting a beady eye on it, seeing what's going on. Uh, the king rats happened because I let her put them together. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I've had that happen with Sambo's. I put a male Sambo, and then Sambo's aren't ones to do that. But I put a male in, and I guess I, I, I guess I didn't wake the female up enough before I put him in. And when as soon as I closed the tub, I heard wham, wham, wham. I'm like, "What the fuck's happening?" And I open it, and she's got him. I'm like, "Why? Are you, what are you doing? Y'all don't eat. Like, stop it." So I got her off of them, and they were fine. And she never tried. To get, I think she just something moved next to her face. And if you've ever owned Sambo's, they're yes. they just they strike whatever comes in the other head. They don't like. I love them, but they're not a smart snake. <laughs> That's much the same with the old world stuff. I mean, particularly breeding season is about the only time that wife will ever see me use a hook. And, you know, I will touch somebody and, you know, because if you can survive the first onslaught when you open up an old world cage, because they, they want to eat first and ask questions later. They're not mean. They just want to eat first. And uh, so, you know, I'll tap and push them with a hook, let them know, because I don't use a hook at all when I'm feeding. And so the only time they get a hook is, you know, hopefully – I, I kind of tag snakes as being very Pavlovian by nature. They're action-reaction animals. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping by touching them to the hook, they realize it's not time to eat. So when I send that female in, she doesn't become the main course. And I've not had a problem with it. Yeah, it's 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 always scary. Like I said, even putting things I don't typically... Like it's, I don't understand people that breed like uh, some of the Australian pythons. That scares the shit out of me. Like putting blackheads or womas together. I'm like... Yeah. Sausage. Yeah. You know, I actually, I loaned a pair of carpet pythons to a friend of mine, or two pair of carpet pythons, and, and I can remember talking to Bob Clark years ago at IHS, and he was pissed at that time that he wasn't breeding carpet pythons, he wouldn't have any luck. And I always combated the males a little bit before I'd introduced the females, and, and I produced tons and tons of carpet pythons, there. but I stood there. Mm -hmm. And I loaned this friend of mine a couple of pair, and he put males together and then left. And uh, when he did come back, one of them was just looked like sausage links had been just sliced. And when he healed, healed that way, so yeah, he had he like, like sausage links. He looked like 
he looked like Lance's sausage. He was terrible. But I mean, he, he was a good snake. He was very scarred up. But, uh, but certain ones that are that are known snake eaters like king rats, I do check them quite a bit. You know, if I if if she survives and he's you know, because you definitely after you've done it a while, you can tell is this animal showing you I'm interested in breeding or I want to eat her. Well, the males are a lot and, uh, bigger too, and the males are a lot bigger, which which creates another problem when it comes to king rats. It's it's a lot like eastern indigos. I mean, the males will horrendously outsize the females if you're not careful. If you're not careful. Well, I mean, I fight harder probably to keep my males smaller than, you know, than unleashing them. And, uh, you know, in a big cage or out in the wild or whatever, you know, female can get away from it. But in a smaller cage or a tub, a male will just peel her, just grind yeah. right to the, you know, it's ugly. <laughs> well, it's funny. It's the opposite for, for everything I breed. For everything I breed, the female is always massively huge. And, yeah, they small. So I keep, I tend to keep my male uh, <clears throat> red tail boas. Or as people mm-hmm. get pissed off, common boas, but fuck it, they're red tails because oh. they've been red tails my entire life. Uh, <laughs> when I put them together, I keep my males pretty small. I keep try to keep them four foot or smaller, eating medium rats. Like that's about where I want them. The analogy that you use <coughs> to explain that though is still my favorite. Which one? When you, because you're like, well, if you if you think about it, if you're big and heavy and overweight, you don't necessarily yeah. want to get the job done. Well, yeah, I had a, I I my, I remember my first pair of uh it's of. So- I bought my first adult pair of boas. I bought uh, when we were in college. I ordered them. F- who was it? It was Rob Stone, I think. I got them from. I didn't know him at the time. Found out later. But uh, it was a it was two big cardboard boxes taped together. When I got it in, it was supposed to be a five foot female and a four foot male. Didn't it say frogs? And it said frogs on the outside of it, and they were taped together. And it was I mean that's a it was like forty pounds of frogs. Uh, <laughs> this was like twenty years ago. Something like that, yeah. So I, I cut open the box and I start to open up. And first, I take the female out. All right, it's definitely over six foot female. And I take oh. the male out, and he's well over five foot. I'm like, okay, we're a foot bigger than I thought. But I was like, this will be fine. And I had them for a while, and I'd put them together, and a damn thing would happen. I'm like, what the fuck? And I'm like, this is definitely a male. And then finally, I got uh, another male later, and I raised him up, and he's fairly small. And I'd put him in there straight to it. And I was like, yeah, yeah yep. fat males don't like to breed. That's why I tell people all the time, you don't want, if you're breeding, Keep your male boas or whatever it is on the smaller end. They're yeah. more likely to try and prove themselves to the female. Uh, well, I, it just makes me laugh. Very behind a lot of things, and in, in fish, it's quite common. But uh, and I've noticed it more over the last five or six years when I started kind of taking a look at it. That in fish, there are things that are called sneaker males. Mm-hmm. Small males. They're sexually active. They're usually smaller, not as colorful as the other males. And while the other dumbass males are out there kicking each other's ass, he runs around and sneaks around and breeds all these females to help ensure uh, genetic diversity. And I've noticed that a lot in some snakes, uh, primarily in like house snakes and a lot of the coleothignasis and some of the, even some of the beauty snakes, that you'll get a very undersized male. But when you flip it over, you're like, God damn, his tail is huge. <laughs> he is sexually active. He's he's hanging and ready to bang. Well, it's like... And it's a lot smaller than the female that there is. Uh, they'll still get the job yeah, done. They get a job, and they may never grow as big as the other ones. I have some of them that have never, you know, never gotten as large as some of the other animals that I have. And he and, throws them in and goes, "Good luck." Yep, good luck. <laughs> I yeah. like. Uh, Something I would do. I like the garter snake. I'm, again, I'm, I'm going to Manitoba at some point to see the damn. Maybe snakes. that's what we'll do for our 20th anniversary. Uh, but I love the the males that come out Five late. Four years, babe. Yeah, I love the males that come out late. And so they'll end up smelling like females. So all the other oh. males try to 
try to rub up against him. And then once he's warm, he's like, all right, now I can go have sex. Yeah. I love that. I had my own garter snake story like that. So when we owned our pet shop, one day Rob was sick and I went out in the backyard and uh, to take the garbage out. And there was a big hill behind where they had a, a culvert and they had dug out to make the shopping center. And there were probably 10,000 garter snakes rolling down that hill in beach ball sized balls. I had never seen anything like it, Eastern garters. And it was just amazing. These big giant balls of garters were rolling down this hill under the parking lot. And I had just taken out a, how big is that garbage can? Uh, 40 gallon. So I had a 40 gallon Rubbermaid garbage can and I roll one of those balls in it. And I went in that store and I called Rob and I said, get over here quick. This is the coolest thing I've ever seen. And that garbage can was like more than half full of just garter snakes. Oh where my they had gosh. And when he got there, a lot of them had dissipated, but there were just thousands of them. They were denning around that culvert that was sticking out of the ground up high. And uh, and there were just thousands of them. And it was super cool. So I would love to see the Manitoba snake pits because I had my own little mini version. And it was super cool. That and had- we do garters. She does garters. <laughs> that had to smell horrible. I hate garters. They're not, the smell's not so bad. They're just very labor intensive. Well, that's they're, a, they're another one that's kind of like I've been trying to tell a lot of people, you know, like there's a lot of people panicking about the hobby. A lot of people getting out of it. A lot of people saying, I'm selling all my ball pythons. And and you have to be real careful, I think. And I think this year coming up needs to be a year in which, you know, maybe we don't breed as much stuff as we normally do. Maybe if you got 300 female ball pythons, you're not going to breed 300 female ball pythons. And garter snakes are the same way. And one year, wife had a fantastic year on garter snakes. I mean, she probably had four, 450 baby garter snakes. But that was like two and a half hours every day, uh-huh. chopping up pinkies, chopping up worms, making sure they didn't eat each other. And we still lost our ass on them because we overproduced what we could really theoretically take care of because they're so labor intensive. Mm-hmm. Well, it's feed one day, then water the next. But even when you're feeding, I mean, they try to eat each other. It it just gets, uh, it's kind of overwhelming. So yeah, it's uh, it's very labor intensive. Yeah, that's another group of snakes I see where I'm like, that'd be cool to own. But again, they don't fit what I do. Like uh, our friend had some on our table. I don't know what type <laughs> they were. They were green and blue. And they were amazing looking. I was like, yeah. they were like, like something. I don't, Who? I don't know. Oh. Oh, like chocolate. Yeah. Samples. Uh, um, Brittany had them on her table. Oh, oh, um, and I'm like, those are amazing. But I like they get big. Yeah, but I just I don't the 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 speaking of shitting a lot. My God, um, yeah, never stop. Yeah, I mean it's great they eat everything, but I'm I'm a, I'm a rodent. Per, like it's easy for me to get frozen rodents out of my freezer and then and thaw them out and feed everything to mice. I don't right. have to deal with fish or f- parts of frogs or parts of whatever else I got to feed them. I'm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I don't do it. But, uh, and that's another thing. A lot of these oddball species, uh, I think people, uh, people need to try to educate themselves a little more on the natural history of the animals. Um, I used to breed a lot of, uh, a lot of desert species of stuff. I love long nose and glossy snakes. And mm. you give me a snake that only three people in the United States give a shit about, and I'm all about breeding. <laughs> um, but a lot of that stuff breeds in hibernation. So a lot of times you have to think outside the box too when it comes in hibernating time. But, and well, and talking about knowing the natural history and keep keeping, and we talked about cages versus racks. One snake that I've always loved that I'd want to keep, I don't think I can just because I know the behavior and how they act. 
uh, any of your racer species. Like I love yeah. buttermilk racers. Like it, we moved to Louisiana. I moved yeah. there in 2007 and I had seen like drawing pictures in field guides of a buttermilk racer and it's blue. And I'm like, there's no such thing as a fucking blue snake. And the first time I found a buttermilk racer in the wild and that blue and that white speckling, I was like, this is the coolest looking snake on earth. You had those red, fantastic. The coach whips. Yeah. The coach whips. Yeah. Well, in the same thing, the coach whips, like the pink coach whips and all that, but there's such a active snake. Like they're not. And I've heard people to say that like, they don't like to be in glass tanks because they want to go and they can't go. Um, Yeah. Well, it definitely uses a a, would prefer a lot bigger cage than a lot of people would want to give them. Yeah. And so that's a problem. You know, I think a full grown coach whip probably needs like an eight foot cage, which may be overkill for people, but as much as yeah, they, they move. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They would use it all. Yeah. And so, and so someone would look at a coach whip curled up an eight foot coach whip curled up or a seven foot coach whip curled up will fit in your hand. I mean, it's got no, no, no fat on it. The thing is small. Well, I tell people all the time with, with, well, a lot of people are fascinated with blue beauties. Cause like you said, blue is not a color that we see a lot mm-hmm. in the snake world anyway. And, uh, I have a male or had a male. I've recently lost him. He was probably about 20 some odd years old in original import, but he was 12 foot six. Now he had plenty of room and everything because it's, you know, I've even got some pictures of him and it's hard making like a 12 foot six piece of spaghetti look impressive. (laughs) You know, they're just a skinny Rayleigh little, little constrictor, Uh, but you know, and a tree hanger, but uh, everybody loves blue beauties. And I tell people that, my blue beauties and I have a hate, hate relationship. <laughs> I, I still kind of like them, but they're, they're the most irascible beauty snake that I have. That's uh, our, our other co-host, Robert, his wife has a big blue beauty. And uh, mm-hmm. I've had to go over there and like, when they were out of town, like do water changes on it. That's mm-hmm. interesting. Uh, Cause when you open the cage, they're ready. Yep. Yeah. They are ready to go. They remind me, I used to work with Argentine boas a lifetime ago and, my Argentines were always, I had to feed them and leave the room. Yeah. Because I wanted to hiss and strike and be all kinds of shitty. And the blue beauties are about the same way for, for my stuff. So I've got just regular red tails that don't like me. I walk in and they just start striking at the cage. You got a lot of stuff in this house that doesn't like you, man. Yeah, most animals don't. I don't know what it is. Is a 12 year old in the room someday? She likes <laughs> what I buy her. But, uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's always interesting, especially snakes. I've got a big motley female. I'll walk in and I'm working in the snake room and just all of a sudden you hear smash right into the, the plexiglass. I'm like, what the fuck is wrong with you? I a heart attack the other day because I wasn't expecting it. Well, you just think, you think at some point they learn to stop. Like, don't do it every day you walk in. But mm-hmm. no, they're just like, no, I'm going to keep doing it. I know one day she's just going to get the force to do it hard enough to bust straight through that plexiglass and knock the door out. I have I have one female blue beauty that I have to keep her cage front covered. Oh, she just absolutely does not want to not want to calm down and get with the program. And I've had her probably about nine years. Damn. And I had I a location. We may have to put her up higher because she's like shoulder height. Now, right as you go by, she's like banging the side <laughs> of your head. I had a I had a female king rat that came in as a wild caught. It's about a five footer. I had her for probably about fifteen years. And that snake hated me from the day I bagged it till the day it died. It, it just never got with the program. Oh, uh, real what? quick, scroll back up. There was a question for them. Oh, there was, I was going to go back to a couple of um, and that a couple of people in the chat have asked, yeah. and I forgot about it. And now people have been commenting. Uh, uh, are there any species that you're keeping that you don't brewmate prior to breeding season? Well, probably. Um, uh, 
uh, trinket, well, most all the coleothignasis, the radiated, uh, black copper rats, trinket rats, subradiata, all those guys don't, don't do any kind of cooling. Um, everything else that I have, uh, you know, everything from, uh, Ridley eye to bamboos and mandarins and hundred flowers, they're all in the same room and they all get the same thing and they all go to sleep at the same time. Impressions. Yeah. Now I do have different positions in the room, like the, the mainland Chinese stuff and the Russian stuff. I usually put on an exterior, uh, uninsulated wall. I want them to, I wouldn't be upset if I had to break ice in their water bowls to check on them. Whereas stuff like the, uh, uh, the Ridley eye and, uh, uh, maybe the blue beauties and rhinos, I keep more about the middle of the room. So they'll, they'll probably drop maybe to about 55, but, but, uh, there are a few species, like I said, I do, I'm working on Baron's racers, now albino, pitus mucosa. But they're in the warm um, room. And they're in the warm room. And they, and they're all species that you don't ever really cool down. Yeah. But sometimes, uh, you know, I used to do Baron eye, Baron's racers. And then when I went all the old world, it's really tough to breed Baron eye. Cause I mean, naturally, <coughs> you know, Baron eye coming from. Paraguay, I mean, to me, their main triggers and breeding seasons in February and the rains. And it's kind of hard with Bear and I want to be 95 degrees in a room. I'm trying to keep 50. So I unloaded them. So they're a new project I just got again. So I won't be, uh, I won't be cooling those down more than likely either. Uh, the only old world that I've got that I'm not going to cool down this year and try to run together is I have some of the quote unquote Grabwalski eye. Uh, beauty snakes. Um, there's some debate whether they're truly Grabowski eye or I kind of lean towards some of the Europeans in which I think they're an undescribed species, subspecies. Uh, but because they come from Batu Caves in Malaysia and this being my first year going with them, I don't think I'm going to cool them down. I'm going to actually just try to throw them together here this weekend and see if I can't get lucky. So I, all, all talking about all those reminded me of another snake that I never see, and I wonder if you know anything about. So you never see. I, I didn't realize they existed until several years ago, but green rat snakes, like North American green rat snakes, and I don't know why people don't. You know, everybody loves green snakes, and we have one in North America. Are they that hard to keep? Is there something there? Well, anybody that's really into green rats needs to look up Bill Hughes out in Arizona. Super yeah. good guy. Works with a lot of Sanzania and black-tailed. That's why I follow him. He has Sanzania, and I love green Sanzania. And Bill, Bill has got it down with Senecolis, and he's been trying to sell me some for years. Um, I actually have a room where I think I can make them work because he, he tells you an interesting thing, and he's really somebody that you need to talk to because I'll just be uh, puking it secondhand. But he goes, the key to the Senecolis is – is, is even though you take them cold, they have to be able to keep their head warm. Huh. So that tells me that they must like stay at the front entrances of rocks in the colder season to keep their head warm and their brain warm. I don't understand it. I'm not going to man because he's bred more cynicolas than I'll probably ever in my life. I like Rob telling that story that yeah. distracts me. <laughs> Incredulous look on yeah, his face. Yeah, I'm like, okay, you got to keep your head warm. You know, I think that's something like a blackhead python where they have a head that is black so they can stick it out and heat it up quick, mm -hmm. but not a solid but, color snake. It seems weird. But yeah, they're, they're another little quirky little rat snake. I've not had a lot of, of, uh, uh those and Bajas uh, that I've not had a lot of personal experience with. 
uh, but they are on my target list that I want to play with them before I before I punch out of the hobby here. Well, because they're just they're a pretty snake. And like I said, we're a we're a hobby where people freaking love green snakes, and I'm like, you know, it's like the rubber boas. We have our own boa, and nobody wants to do it. We have our own green snake, and, and nobody wants to do it. I got it. Everybody wants the stuff that's not here. And don't get me wrong, I love a lot of stuff that's not here. A lot most of my snakes are non-native, but there are some cool right. native things. I think. The one that kills me, and I now own, and I love it, but I have a speckled king snake. I, you yeah. know, everybody loves diamond pythons. I'm like, we have one. We have our own yeah. version. He loves speckled. I'm a huge fan of speckled kings. Uh, I've got one. Um, there's a guy down here that breeds uh, black-headed pythons and speckled king snakes. And uh, his speckled king snakes are amazing. He just started breeding them again. But it's nice. got the, this solid yellow belly, and it is – oh, it's so pretty. There's a really small uh, – group of uh, speckled kings out in the kansas area that 25 years ago when i used to go out there when i was doing locality milk snakes and getting gentilis and stuff i would find them and they never got very big but man they were beautiful kind of almost reminded you of a cross between desert kings and speckled kings i'm not sure that locality crosses but i've been trying to get somebody to find me a couple of small ones from the russell and pratt area of kansas but i haven't located any yet it's just I'm too a- old you know. It's another species that we have in North America that I think is fits the niche of so many other species that people keep. You know, everybody goes crazy over um, uh, Mexican black king snakes, which we have one because a friend gave because Katie likes black snakes. I love black like, snakes. Well, if you like king snakes, we, we have a really cool speckled one. I just don't get why people don't. That's like- another one that we could have got for like 50 bucks when we got married. Yeah, 40 bucks when we got married. And now they're like $250. You got yeah. one as a gift. I you did got- get one as an anniversary gift. It was beautiful. <laughs> well, the... The the overseas market drove that price up. Yeah, yeah I mean black snakes. They wanted. I used to not be able to get thirty five dollars for them in a twelve lot when I bred them eons ago. We used to we used to joke about not being able to sell them at the pet shop. But what's funny now is the is the the uh, overseas market ever since COVID has kind of dried up and and I kind of fell into that same thing that a lot of people have fallen into where I kind of backed into a handful of leucistic Texas rats. Mm. Rat snake, I like it, operate it, and you know, then you would come and some of these buyers from overseas would go, How many you got? I got 40. How much you want for them? 100 bucks a piece. Well, that's food bill for a couple of months right there. So let me Every put, year. so let me put on some more. So I put on some more, and now I put them on the table at $75, and nobody looks at it. Nobody knows what they are. They nobody knows what they are. The, they went to Asia so many years at the the local market, uh, even the Tenley market, people don't even recognize what they are. They have no idea. Now, do you aim to not have bug-eyed ones, or do you have bug-eyed ones? I have mineral wells, but rumor has it, and I have a friend of mine that's big into genetics, which she talks over my head whenever she gets, I get woozy and sit down, and she and wife have a conversation. But she claims that bug-eyed is attached to the leucistic gene. It is. And then, like, the palmetto corns are basically just a form of leucistic, mm-hmm. which it doesn't really have. Now, this is what she's saying. I'm not saying that. It doesn't really have anything about being inbred or not. It's just attached to that gene. It, it is. So, I've I've had – we actually had uh, two episodes ago. Two episodes ago was my uh, my All Doctors episode. I took all my, all my friends in the hobby that are doctors, and they're all geneticists. And I was like, hey, let's – come on. But I've talked to several of them before. Uh, yeah, we're really friends with Zach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I had um, sun glow boas – a few years back. And of course the best looking one out of the entire litter, which I kept had bug eyes. Um, and it's, it has to do with the, the path for, for creating the eyes is also linked to the melanin part, the lack of melanin. 
And so, yeah, like albino boas will have it happen. I've seen it in mm-hmm. palmetto, the leucistic rats. It, it's yeah, it's not an inbreeding thing. It's a genetic thing. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah. which is kind of why, you know, I've kept this male for forever. I've had him. I think he's probably going on six years old now. And uh, I was like, I'm never going to breed him. He had bug eyes. And it's gone on. I'm like, well, it's not fucking genetic. Right. Like, and he's really pretty. He's the prettiest one out of the whole litter. And his eyes have sunken back in. They really have. They look normal now. So I was like, mm, he may get a chance this year. <laughs> I tried his brother last year and his brother didn't do anything. And so I was sure. like, let's go with the funny one and see what he does. <laughs> so, but yeah, it's, I, I remember going to, we went to, we've gone to Tinley once. We went in 2019, right before the whole world went to hell. Oh. And uh, there was a guy selling palmetto corn. He's like, you buy a palmetto corn and you get like this bug eyed one for free or whatever. Like it was just like, it was just <laughs> weird. I remember when they were so expensive to get one. He was like, buy one, get one. Just all these bug eyed palmetto corns. What was it when we were in Daytona on our honeymoon? Was it the Mexican Black King that was like, if you buy these two, you get that for free or something? Or was that a different snake? No, we bought corn snakes. We bought corn snakes. I bought a pair of butter, Motley, Motley Het Butters. That's, and that's how we got Freebie. And we got the snow for free. Yeah. That's why oh, we, wow. named her, we named her Freebie. Yeah. I remember oh. that. That was 2009 in Daytona. Nice. Oh, that's fun. That's where we went for our honeymoon. The corn snake project. <laughs> well, a lot, a lot of times she'll throw some just some hats, which are you know, I mean, just feeder snakes to me. But we'll do, we'll keep them for a few months, and then you know we'll give them to some kids at the shows. You know, get them started on something that they hopefully have some interest in. I've got one corn from the original <laughs> corns we bought. We bought our original corns in 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think we bought like five of them, and I've got mm-hmm. one left. And he, uh, yeah, he's rough. He's, he's, I'm pretty sure he's blind. He's completely blind now because watching him try to eat. I mean, he's got those gray cataract eyes and, uh, he, he's not great at finding the food right away. So, um, yeah. And he's, he's gotten a little nippy, I think just because he can't see anything. So that's, that's your, I know that's yeah. Heinz. So he's, uh, he's special, but. Uh, then I have other corns that our friend here, we've got a friend that breeds corns and my daughter wanted one. And then he tricked her in. He goes, Hey, if you talk your dad into buying this one, he did. If you talk your dad into buying this one, I'll give you a deal on that one. So I ended up buying a, um, she was nine or 10. I don't know, but it was pink. I had to have a pink, it was a pink corn. So it was pink and gray. Oh, I love this. Yeah. The problem is you can't take pictures of them. Yeah. Right. They don't show. Yeah. Mm. No matter. I'm like, yeah, it, it looks like Barbie pink. I don't know how it to explain it. Cool. It's a Barbie pink snake. I'm like, it looks gray every time I take a picture of it. And you can't take a picture well, of blue snakes either. Blue doesn't show up. It's well, very hard. I heard on, on your uh, podcast with uh, Rufus, one of my my New Year's resolution is to break out a light box and break out my camera and quit being lazy and trying to take phone pics. <laughs> I can't get decent pics of some of my stuff because I have the hardest time catching oranges and yellows mm-hmm. and stuff like that and things. Well, and I looked so. like, cause like your Instagram and your Facebook, there's not a lot of cool, like you've got a lot of cool snakes. So you know, there's things will pop up here and they're like, y'all need to take more pictures because they all have mm-hmm. some really cool stuff that people don't have. And that people don't realize exists in the hobby. Cause it's not a brown ball Python that looks slightly other brown Wait, than the other brown summer, snakes. Maybe this summer we right. can take a vacation and you could photograph stuff for them and just give them oh, all this stuff. <laughs> And then yep. we get a vacation. <laughs> when, I want to go to Tinley again. That's what I want to okay. do. I thought you wanted to go in the fall, and now you're saying the spring. Chris, I don't Eaton, think said, I, Chris Eaton said he was going in the spring. I don't think I can swing spring. Yeah, I don't think we can either. <laughs> October's when you want to go. I can swing October. It's at the end of fall break. 
<laughs> we could try that. Yeah, it just kind of seems like, I mean, they made the building the same size. It used to be smaller for March than it was in October, but it's the same size, which is great because it gives a lot of more people the opportunity to, to bend there because it's very difficult to get in there. But yeah. then it's just, you know, holy cow, it's how many ball pythons and crested <laughs> Stuff you walk by. I looked in uh, 2019. A friend of mine wanted to borrow my display because he was going to put some snakes <laughs> on a friend's table. I was like, well, if you borrow the display, let me put a couple of bows that I have for selling there. So I ended up selling like one bow while I was there. I was like, all right, well, this pays for stuff. And then I went and bought uh, Indian <laughs> sand bows. That's mm-hmm. where I got my leopard gecko. I got oh, her at Tinley. That's because, not school. Well, not I, school's my Indian sand I wanted one for my classroom, and the guy was like, I'll sell you to her for 20 bucks because she's for a classroom and my wife's a teacher. And I was like, done. Let's go. Nice. Still not as cool as my Indian sambos. My wife looked for some Russian sambos for me there in March. I'm not sure I'm making it yet. I, I've got a, I got a friend who, who does Russians, so I can hook you up. Uh, yeah, they actually, got a and albino, don't they? I think so. Yeah, the albinos, I don't, I don't like them at all. I don't see. I've got two from my friend, and but they are blacks. Like I like the black Russians. Regular Russians are okay, but I'm not. It's just a kind of a brown, brown samboa. Um, but man, the, the solid black ones are awesome. Yeah, sometimes the genetics just don't really translate the way you think they will when you get the animal actually in your hand. Yeah, I've uh, and I'm stalking Rufus because he's the only one I know that has Arabian <laughs> samboas, and uh, I want Arabian samboas. They look stupid. They look like a sock puppet, and I want them. So, yeah, but I heard you're I heard you're getting calabars as well. Yeah, they're sitting right over here. I got them. I got two point one, and I'm super excited. I I, again, if it it is if it is a boa that likes to live underground, I'm sold. Well, everybody asks me what to get into, and I go take any animal that you see on a table that's nobody wants. It's a diamond, and that's going to be your project you need to be into in here in about ten twelve years. Because it won't be around. Because it won't be around. Well, and I, when I told people, especially so we talked about, you know, so many people got into ball pythons, and I've talked on the on the show before. Other people, I think a lot of folks don't know what animal, what reptile they really like because Mm -hmm. they haven't owned it because they got ball pythons and like I'm going to do ball pythons, but there's there's other stuff, and you're starting to see people with ball python collections get other things because they're realizing there's other things, and so. I think everyone should, if, if you, especially if you have one of these mono collections of one species, find something else, try something else. You will like it. Well, I think, I think diversity is key in the market right now anyway. Yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be super stupid deep in any one thing right now. So well, we're talking about it earlier, when you walk through a show and everybody has the same displays and the same lights and it looks like rows and rows and rows of the same thing. I just get kind of eye blind to the whole thing. And unless something happens to catch my attention, I just kind of just buzz past it. Yeah. So, so I, 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 Katie thinks I'm stupid, but I've got a plan for my, I'm changing my, I'm changing my setup, my display, my, not my display, but my whole setup, my table and everything. I'm going to buy a, uh, a, uh, like a light, like a deep. Somebody's going to steal this because that's fine. They're not going to do it. They're they're, going to think it's stupid too, but they are. I'm getting like a DJ light setup that goes behind me that'll hold DJ lights. Like, and I'm going to do like flashing lights and all this stuff and, and shining up on the ceiling and it'll annoy everybody else at the show, oh, but people <laughs> will stop at my table. Cause that's the hardest part is cause like you said, I, I can go through a show pretty quick because the people that are used yeah. to it, you, I mean, you can, you kind of skip, but I've, there've been shows where I've missed stuff because it's a ball Python table, but yeah. they'll have yeah. something on it. 
Like I went, we went to Arlington and I somehow missed the albino Brazilian rainbow boas and I fucking love rainbow boas. And they were there. I saw, I think I watched a Dave Kaufman video afterwards and he's like, I was there. I don't, how did I not see them? And of course they were kind of in a ball Python area. Well, once in a while, I mean, I have to, uh, like intently, I have to, as much as I zone out and get woozy and want to pass out, I have to look at every ball python table there because a lot of the sellers are so desperate to move an animal that they might trade for something that's up my alley. Yeah. Be back in the corner in a yeah. cup that's brown, and, you know, you'd yeah. have to look for that little brown thing. You know, so you can't really pass anything up, but I was actually speaking to a, a friend of mine who's a, a boa breeder here a little bit earlier, Um and we were having the same discussion and I was telling him, I'm like, you may have to come up with something that's just a little bit outside the box just to get that person to stop. Yep. You know, because all the displays, all the animals, everything looks the same. And uh, you may have to try a display with some nice assortment of, you know, sub-adult stuff or something to get people to at least stop and take a look at what you have on your table. That's what so, I found. DJ lights, I think, are whipped. Yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. And I, that's what I found with like Samboas. You know, they're so small. You put them in a display, they kind of disappear. But there was a couple yep. shows where I took the parents, take mm-hmm. big annery female and an annery male. And not only can I go, you can see the size difference between a female and a male, but they stop because they fill up the entire thing on that display. Yep. And then they see the babies. I was speaking to a guy at our local show last time. And and a guy has some really nice, you know, scaleless corns and stuff that, I mean, you know, I, I, I'm not particularly interested in it, but I'll, I'll give anybody appreciation if I think they got a really nice animal or stuff. And I told him, I go, you may need to bring an adult, something that's bigger, get people to stop and at least touch it, see what's involved with the scalas. Mm-hmm. And you might see that you might sell some stuff. And then the next month, he did sell a couple of them because he had a larger one there for display. Yeah, it's especially, it's really interesting for some of the snakes that go through change, like especially corn snakes. I mean, take a baby okatee. And an adult mm-hmm. Okatee corn. Oh, yeah. That's yep. right? it's, you can sell an adult Okatee any day you want to because yep. of how it looks. But a baby looks like a corn snake. It's just, it's just a corn mm-hmm. snake. Well, you have to trust the person you're buying from, too, because I see a lot of Okatees on tables that are not. Oh, I've seen that. Yeah. But I think a lot of times, you know, when you start kind of looking at the crowd at like a Tenley or whatever, you know, a lot of those people are just like the walking dead. They're overstimulated. And the only thing they're really into are ball pythons. And if you've got anything that's different, uh, you may need to think outside the box and display or uh, bring in a larger animal for display, anything to get them to at least stop and take a notice of your table. You might be the greatest Sambo out there, but if if they don't take the time to stop and listen, because you got a second to grab their attention. Um, and if you don't have what they may pass you right on by and never see that you've got the best looking Kenya Sambo on the show. Well, and, and adults of most species, are, it, it's a double-edged sword. It's great to have them there, but you also do risk, you know, them catching oh. something. It is something that could happen to them. But like, uh, I remember in 2019 when we went, Jason Hood had, he had a bunch of blackheads, but he had, a, I forget what this called, something birds, snakes, I mean, some weird. <laughs> you got uh, Susties. But, yeah, the big giant scales, and they, they look fake. Like it, I remember walking by and go, that looks like a fake snake. But it had these huge adults. I'm like, that is a cool looking snake. And I don't think you'd see that in the baby. Like, it's not going to look right. as cool. Yeah, if you've got one that goes through a big autogenic color change, you've got to show people what it looks like. Yeah. So you don't have a pair of getting any money for it. Well, but I do agree with you. It is a risk. So normally, the, the few times I'll take something on display, I usually take like a grow up 
surplus you know, mail, secondary mail, or something like that. Retired, yeah, retired or something that's that I don't have to risk. Like the hundred flower snakes as an adult, that's a cool looking snake um, mm-hmm. that a lot of people aren't used to ever seeing. Um, right. You know, mandarins kind of look the same, but a, an adult mandarin is more impressive than a baby mandarin, right? It's, I don't know, a whole box full of babies is really pretty. <laughs> yes, yes. I had Daytona several times and sold out every time. Yeah, she but, took she took like a hundred down to Daytona, and it was nobody had ever seen that amount on a display before. So it did grab their attention. But I don't agree. Kind of psychedelic. Yes, they are a cool one. Uh, one question I got asked in the chat for y'all was, what species are you looking at moving into for breeding in the future? Since we're talking about kind of plans and all. Mm. You got barons and well, I'm, I'm actually, I'm wanting to take a whack at red-tailed green rats. Um, your favorite from your old pet shop days. <laughs> um, they're a great snake. They're always going to have a place in the hobby. Um, they're They're getting a little more expensive. So I, I see that window of opportunity being able to pick them up uh, reasonably kind of coming to a close. Um, but my room before, I wasn't able to work with them because they wanted to be more. They, they're, I think they're an animal that definitely needs an arboreal cage, definitely needs a basking light, yeah, well. um, probably needs a, a 100% humidity on them. A lot of things that I didn't have in my cold room. And so be it that it's, you know, what people are used to is seeing as a, $25 face eater. That's probably, probably my, my next target animal. I mean, I just got, uh, Jansen and I, um, because I can work with them in the warm room. And, uh, so I'll be trying to find some babies or at least some captive hatch babies, but you got the spalotes. Yeah. And I got a stupid pair of spalotes <laughs> I got hung with that like, fuck it. I may as well try to breed them. I've never bred spalotes. Attitude list. But, yeah, that's a that's a new one I have that I didn't really want, <laughs> but I kind of got forced to buy them intently from a friend of mine that Cappy patched them, and I thought, well, you know, I'll find somebody that wants to buy a pair of Spalotes. No, so now I have Spalotes. <laughs> I'm not really excited. About it. Surprise! Surprise! The red tailed green rats would be interesting to see people work with them more and actually get them to look good because a lot of the wild ones that come in are not colorful. Color wise, they're just not that good. After born babies in Kentucky mm-hmm. before we moved, yeah. and uh, and they did fantastic. They were captive hatched from uh, a zoo, and they did fantastic. And yeah. there's several different localities and several different color phases of them. And there's several people here in the United States that are light years ahead of me on the project that are really putting in some some great time and effort into that. And and a lot of people will comment a lot of times on my Facebook page because I'll give people props for stuff that I don't work with or that I do work with. You know, if you're doing good work, you, you know, you deserve to be pointed out. I, I don't look at everybody's competition. No. But there's some guys out there doing some great work with red tail green rats. And like I said, I'm way behind on the project, but I'll get there. Uh, have I mean, you ever I'll, done qua- uh, the cave dwellers? Oh, I do a ton of cave dwellers. They just to, to me, they always just look like faded out. Like, I know, I don't know behavior wise, but it just looks like a faded out version of the red tail green rat. It's like, this is what happens when you throw it in the cave and it has no color. It, no. depends, it depends a lot upon the upon the locality, um, and some of the localities are getting kind of muddied up by people that are just breeding particular stuff. Uh, we went through a, a thing like about four years ago of people wanting to know localities, localities. I don't hold locality at very high standard, particularly when it comes to Asian stuff, just because I know how the stuff is collected and how it goes about 
and how you know, we had to buy and it. How, and how we bought it. And, you know, I find it amazing of uh, people that can tell me what rock on what corner or what subdivision this snake came from in a country that you are in civil war with each other. You damn near can't get into it. Well, back in the but, day when we bought Ridley. Yeah, well, and they would, I bought my original Ridley eye, I bought from, uh, through Cameron Trapedlin at Bushmaster, through Klaus Dieter Schultz, who wrote hmm. the monolith of rat snakes, which is the best book out there. And that was when we were really just kind of getting going. And I had to buy three males to get one female. Yeah. And, uh, and, and these that, were captive hats. And these were captive hats. And I still have some animals out of that line to this day. They were Malaysians. Jeez. But back in the 80s and 90s, when we were trying to get stuff, shit, we didn't care what locality it was. We were just happy to find two of them stay alive long enough to breed. Yeah, exactly. And we didn't give a shit where they came from. <laughs> a whole bunch of scuttlebutt about Rob having a not locality specific but you know klaus is dead now but i did have klaus to, didn't keep any but, records no and i i had to, i wrote klaus because you know we were friends of mine and he told me oh back then we most all the ones that we collected and that i had babies out of were malaysians but you there, didn't have, like the village or the right. province because that wasn't important we were just trying to keep them alive and get them into the hobby well i know well, a lot we, of a lot of things get named after the airport they fly out of so it's not even like where they came from but an interesting thing about Ridley, if anybody have Ridley out there, if you try to keep them in a rack system and you try to keep them on aspen bedding, if they start sitting around with their mouth hanging open, take them off of aspen bedding, just put them on newspaper, they'll clear right up. Hmm. Yeah, we had a huh. But they're, they're, you know, because they're a cave dweller, used to very high humidity and the dust irritates their lungs and stuff. And a lot of people will write me and go, I think my Ridley's got a cold. And I'm like, I have never fucking seen a Ridley eye get a cold. That makes sense, though, with the dust. Right. And it's the dust. So once you take them off that very dry bedding and put them on something else, they'll clear right up. Uh, really great. And everybody likes Cameron Highlands, uh, which are the bright yellow ones, and they're very variable in base color. Uh, but they're a really are a snake that I think a lot of the breeders out there, uh, and I tried to do it, and I just got shot down with it, screwed up in the fact that they're not really – up on the natural history and how that animal works. And Ridley and I are very, typically very high male throwers. I mean, we had a buddy of ours in California hatched out 19.2. You wonder if that has to do with, because of where they're located, it's harder for a female well, to find a male. So if you have more males, better chance of them not getting knocked up. Well, so kind of surprised myself because a lot of times I think way too hard on a lot of shit. The more stuff's not higher male producing because typically the males are the ones that are doing all the traveling and the fighting and the ones more likely to get scarfed up. But, uh, but when you have animals like that, you kind of have to take that into consideration when marketing such, you know? So, I mean, you know, you, you sell somebody a male, you know, for 150 bucks or however much they're selling them for. And that person will go, well, I'm going to raise it up and find me a female. <laughs> no, you're not. Good luck. Nope. You know, it's not going to happen. Uh, but Brittany so a lot asked, of people extra mail, they dump them cheap, which affects the market. <coughs> Brittany asked, weren't, y'all got, weren't you the first one to breed Ridley's in captivity? No, there was probably a lot of people that did it before I did. But I I probably, well, I had a, I had a catastrophe several years ago. And at that point in time, I would venture guess I had more adult Ridley eye than anybody in the country. I had 21. Hmm. When it was all over, I had two. So I've been rebuilding yeah. since. 
That's rough. Yeah, I lost about a hundred thousand dollars worth of animals that summer. Oh, mm, okay. Uh, that makes yeah, I walked out of the. I didn't go in for about seven months. I I can see that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Laura asked, uh, and I, I I'm going to aim towards. I think I think it was mandarins earlier. But what is your favorite species to keep and work with? Well, my favorite overall group of animals are beauty snakes. I love the Orgothrophus. I love beauty snakes. I've never met a beauty snake I didn't like unless it was one I didn't own. <laughs> uh, I would venture a guess that all told, uh, the amount of beauty snakes that I have on hand, I've got to be probably 75 or 80. That, that's a lot of beauty snakes. <laughs> I love you. Well, you know, when you get over three rooms full, you quit counting. So there's like quite a few. Yeah, I, uh, for the first time, I don't know how long went through and actually did a record of what I need to, like, if I need to feed everything at one time, what do I need? Cause I kept, I kept pulling rodents and I'd get feed. And I'm like, damn, I'm a mouse or I'm short on here and this. So I went and did it. Yeah. And then I did the math on it the other day. And it was like, I know it's not, it's going to sound like a lot to someone who has a crap ton like y'all, but I was like, it's 150 bucks for me to just feed the room one time. I was yeah. like, that's and granted. Not everything's eating every week and all that, but still it's like, shit, I need to breed some more of these snakes. Cause I need to start making some money to pay for these rats. For sure. Well, I, I thought 500 pinkies at a time every week. That's oh. my stuff. And I always have to go back with thought more. That's just in the baby room. So but, that's but not if, counting the garters. If anybody wants to try beauty snakes, get you a good Taiwan. They're the best. You know, you learn how to keep a Taiwan. They're the most mellow. Hmm. Uh, they're nice size. They're beautiful animals. They're highly adaptive to where you want to keep them. You want to put them in a, you know, big, nice paludarium and let them climb. That's great. You want to keep them in a oversized drawer system that's great uh don't jam them up yeah but tie one best ones to get your feet wet yeah i'm always amazed when i see a big beauty snake i just forget how how long they get mm-hmm. well i will never not have beauty snakes and i will probably never not have taiwans i got my original taiwans out of columbus Zoo back in the about the early late 80s or early 90s and i still have columbus Zoo stock taiwans and i think by far, I don't know how anybody can look at those things and not think they're a beautiful animal. Lots of yellow. That's uh. So you brought up something that's something that you don't hear anymore in the hobby, but like a lot of people in the '80s and stuff, and even '70s. I got this from this zoo or from that zoo, and like that is not a thing now. You're not like I got these snakes from that zoo because the, the way zoos are. Fine, you had to mm-hmm. trade for them, and we had lab cages. So yeah, we, we were would, we, we were, were the largest used lab cage seller in the United States. Really. Plus, and so the zoo wanted lab cages, and they the reason they wouldn't sell is because a friend of our, ours worked there, and he said that um, when the zoo sells something like at the reptile department, it has to go through the front office, it's a lot of paperwork in the general fund, and then they only get about 15% of it because it all gets split up amongst all the departments, so it really wasn't worth them to do the paperwork to sell it. So they would rather trade you, and if it was a trade. You know, that all was perfectly fine. So we would trade them lab cages. And that's the only way we were able to get the uh, those captive-born uh, red-tailed greens that we got and also those uh, Ridleys. Or no, the Taiwans. I mean, the Taiwans. Sorry. That's cool. Uh, oh, uh, Darren Watson in the chat asked, because we were talking about vending earlier, and said, when y'all first started vending, how much attention went into table displays? Or was that a, a thing <laughs> then? I was just, just at a table and some stuff, right? Or a hotel room and some stuff. No, no, no. So uh, it was, it, well, it was you. a swap meet because yeah. we didn't have tables. We yeah. just 
showed up with an aquarium and I had baby boas and Ed Lukasevic had baby iguanas and we traded with each other and he told me how he bred iguanas and I told we told him how we bred boas and then there was like 12 people there and we were all just meeting once a month and trading stuff and then people that didn't breed wanted to come in and we didn't know how to do it so we would go to the grocery store and get cake containers or you know deli cups from the grocery and poke holes in them with a with a what was that thing we used? The hole puncher that was for a cords. It was for a, some kind of bridge. Bridge cords. Yeah. And uh, <coughs> sit and poke holes for hours. Yeah, and uh, and then we, but there was no table decoration back then. You just threw your stuff out there. No, we used a lot of wheel hole boxes, uh, yeah. which are small, hard plastic. Shoe I actually box. still have some down in the shoe boxes. Like boxes. One of my rooms with rubber bands holding it shut. But it was uh, really neat that. We did the, I was a speaker for the IHS actually for breeding pancake tortoises uh, back in the lifetime ago. Oh my God. And it was so neat. We'd run through people's hotel room and they'd pull open drawers and maybe we'll hold boxes and stuff in closets and you'd hang a note on the door. I got these. I'm going to the bar. I'll be back at seven. And <laughs> and that's where, you know, hell, we'd Go sit shopping. and, yeah, we'd sit and shop and hang out and bullshit with, you know, Bob Clark and. Okay, you have to come back on here just to talk about your adventures with pancake tortoises. She loves pancake tortoises. Oh my gosh, that is so cool. Pancake tortoises are great. Uh, if I no longer work with them, uh, I'll give him a shameless plug. If you contact Ron Hatcher here in Columbus, Ohio, uh, Ron's, Ron's Quality Reptiles, he's the man on I'll pancake write it down. tortoises. Here. He is the man on pancake tortoises. Yep. He used to be the head turtle keeper at Columbus Zoo. That's, yep. that's another one. Years. Well, we talked about prices on things. The price of pancake tortoises now is uh, mm-hmm. is painful now that I'm like, hey, I want to get a pancake tortoise. I'm like, nope, can't get them now. What's real painful is I tell people that a buddy of mine and I at one time sold pancake tortoises, Egyptian tortoises, and homopus or spider tortoises from Madagascar oh for $20 God. a piece and made money. Yeah. Wait, 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 wait. You sold yep. spider tortoises for how much? Yeah. Yep. That's crazy. So, Yep. Look for whatever is dirt cheap that nobody wants to paint. I just found out that water dragons went protected and they're gone. Yeah, Chinese are the Chinese water. I mean, obviously Australians were already, but that one yep. when that happened, I was like, great. That means people are going to want to buy iguanas now. I was like, oh, you know, what's sad is that you know you don't see that shit coming. You know, and then the next thing you know, just like me, a friend of mine showed up at the Cleveland Reptile Show with a pair, and I'm like, damn, those are cool. I haven't seen them in forever, and then like, oh shit, where'd they all go? They're what, gone. What was it? The, the, the fire belly newts and toads. And the toads, the fire belly toads. And and there's a lot of stuff coming in the country or have been over the last couple of years. They're probably questionable legally origin. I don't know all the ins and outs and I don't care. I look at it as an opportunity to pick stuff up. <laughs> but I hope people took notice of Loxosemus bicolor when they were coming in dirt fucking cheap and uh, speckled bracers mm-hmm. uh, out of Mexico. Uh, they were an animal that weren't any, and, and then they came in dirt cheap. And now a little bit, now they're gone. Yep, now they're going to be gone. Or even uh, giant Amber, millipedes, the giant Madagascar yep. millipedes. They're like 50 bucks a piece now. They were $25 a piece. Now look at them. Yeah, my gosh. You know, I mean, you got to have that foresight to look ahead and keep your eye. That's why I say calabars are a goddamn phenomenal project, in my opinion. Yeah. You produce those. Shit, I, I think you're carrying on for a breeder. I don't give a shit how many ball pythons you really having your closet <laughs> well and that's uh <laughs> one person we had her on before that i think did that exact thing where she found a species that 
wasn't overly wanted and has taken it farther. There's April Linkfield with House Snakes and File Snakes. Mm-hmm. Like, those are those were dirt cheap imported things on tables that were going to yeah. die after someone bought them, and she now has mm-hmm. captive bred. I mean, the insane colors you can find in House Snakes now. And then uh, the fact that she has file snakes with it, she breeds file snakes. I think is super yep. cool. And there's there's one those uh, red and black snakes coming out of Africa. I know uh, Matthew Most is doing really good work with those, and Russ Gurley's bred them, and they're a wicked fucking snake. I have not decided to try them yet. I probably will. Uh, but uh, you know, it's just having that that foresight to want to try something different, want to go outside your comfort zone. Um, you know, take a whack on some. Last year, there were a bunch of geckos and stuff that came out of like San Martinique. I don't think I've ever seen anything come in out of San Martinique. So were they questionably obtained? Maybe. Is it a fantastic opportunity for people to get their hands on a species they may never see again? I hope a lot of people did. Hey, we, we don't. I'm not- we don't get things illegally in this hobby. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you no. know. Never. Mel- melanistic uh, blue tongue skinks were already here, right? Those, those just popped up That's here. It. Yeah, I wonder how long it'll be before some of the other morphs I've seen will be over here. Yeah, that's well, this thing like uh, children's pythons. There's all those children python morphs in Australia. I'm like, they'll be here at some point. Eventually, yeah, yeah they'll come in as documented zoo captive morphs. They'll come from that magic portal in Germany. <laughs> magic portal, <laughs> yeah, that's magic. right. <laughs> that's it. Uh, but, but yeah, I, I think more people need to get into the the odd stuff because I, I definitely remember. Now again, with that said it's hard. People have to look past dollar bills, right? Cause if you yeah. go buy an import table or just a, you know, a reseller table, you're going to find mm-hmm. a lot of cheap import stuff. You know, even yeah. like when I talked with April and she did the file snakes, I can go find a cheap file snake on a table. That's probably going to die. If I try to buy it, or right. you could save the money and buy one from her who is captive bred it. And it's going to be better. And it's going to help the hobby long-term. You just got to understand the long, the long game here. And, Everybody, yeah. unfortunately, we got into part of a hobby where it's all short game. And that, and that's one thing. I mean, I, I kind of have pros and cons about import stuff. I can't say that I, I it doesn't have a place. Um, but I wish there was some way you could educate some people. Because uh, it's like, you know, we had somebody bring up a, a Scolarcophis actrosanctus. Centip- I call them Nicar- Nicaraguan centipede suckers. Uh, they're a really pretty snake. Red, like black, yellow. Halloween snakes, I think maybe they call them, or Harlequin <laughs> snakes. They got little orange spots on them. They're at every show right now, and they're dirt cheap. And uh, and uh, and there's very there's a couple people I know that have some long term, but they only eat centipedes. That's it. And don't you know? And so don't be a sorry imported. Well, don't be a sorry <laughs> fucker. Yep. And imports get in and sell it wholesale or sell it on your table wild caught, and then send them to me to tell them how to take care of it, and I go. You better take a picture. It'll last longer. And I'm, I, try to, I don't only eat centipedes. I show them in the, I look it up on my phone. I, I write it down for him. Well, he said it ate pinkies. And I said, they never eat pinkies. They only eat centipedes. And centipedes are $50 a piece. A friend of mine bought one and, and it actually got killed by the centipede. He <laughs> had it about a year at $50 a meal. And then the centipede was too big and ate the snake. So, you know, it just, it's, and that person, I'm sure that bought that snake didn't have any success with it. And I'm sure that they, went down screaming and squalling that, you know, they, they were gypped out of their money, but I would have gone right back to the person and said, you know, this snake's not the work for me. I, I hate watching these. Uh, look, I, I'm all for import snakes going to people that can properly deal with the import snake. That's the general public does not need an import snake because there's just certain things 
they don't like, and but I hate watching import or resale tables where they do that. They go, yeah, this thing's eating, and I'm like, <coughs> I watched you take that shit out of a box an hour ago. Yep. Is the first time you have seen that snake. Don't tell yep. someone what it is eating and that it is eating, right? Well, the only way that I think, and I know it's a, it's really, and I'm not saying boycott people and don't pick it and all that bullshit. But it, if there's any way that you can, and and I try to tell people, try to take the entire table in mm-hmm. when you're looking. If it looks like a meat market, you know, maybe you don't want to buy them. From, <laughs> you know, if, if you're into ball pythons, would you come and buy one from me? I don't know shit about ball pythons. I'm not the guy to go to for ball pythons. Well, she's one but, but, you know, like a lot of people have a very sour taste in their mouth because they'll go. And they'll see some half dead toke gecko on the table for three bucks. But then they're rescuing it. Yeah, they're gonna buy it and they're gonna <laughs> save its life and then they bitch about it because it dies. The only way you're ever gonna get these people to stop selling that stuff is to stop buying it. Doesn't matter how bad it looks. Yeah. You're just gonna have a negative response. And sadly, it's like you said, so much of the reptile hobby looks like a cheap motherfucker at an expensive restaurant. They read the price first and then they see what it is. Yeah. And it, it just, you know, there's, there's certain snakes. Look, like we're talking about feeding. I would love to own a mud snake. I think they're the most beautiful snake we have in North America, but the damn thing eats amphiumas. Like that's, yep. that's it. It's all it you, you can want it to eat whatever you want, but that's what millions of years of evolution said. It's going to eat that slimy salamander and you can't get them. Yep. <laughs> I'll see them fuckers at a table for sale. Yep. Every uh, so often. Uh, unreal. You know, it drives me crazy. One, I would but, love to see people get and actually learn how to do and breed. Sunbeam snakes. I'm tired of seeing sunbeam snakes get sold and know that they're just going to die. Mm-hmm. Yep. And some sunbeams are you there? They're almost <laughs> like a rubber boa. Yeah. You know, put them in about eight inches of substrate and leave them fuck alone. Yeah. But most people don't want to do that because they want to see they their animal. See they want to jack with Play it. With they them. want to handle it. And I get that. I understand it. People that are not, you know, maybe as far into it as you or I may be. You know, they want to mess with it, and that's the thing. And you ultimately, in my opinion, whether you're the biggest breeder with a $100,000 facility or some cat that's just got six animals, you should ultimately want your hobbyist first. You should want people to have a positive experience in this hobby. And if I take a kid by the hand over to a friend of mine's table to sell him a ball python, even though I hate him, you know, hopefully that kid remembers that, and maybe in ten years he wants to try sand at a Taiwan. But you know, if we as hobbyists, if we don't try to, you know, to educate first and worry about making a buck, so a distant second, uh, I'm afraid a lot of the industry isn't going to struggle for a while. Well, that's and that also, and we're almost out of time, but I still, I, we didn't talk about the shows, but that's another thing about you know. So That's, we need to have y'all back on just for a whole, like, I don't feel like we, we didn't do anything on Facebook, really. No, we didn't get to any of our Facebook Like stuff, anything on Facebook. So if you commented oh. or posted something that you wanted oh, us to share, I apologize. I'm always willing to this chat. This has been over. awesome. Because I'd, I'd like to, I'd like to, one, I'd like to talk like reptile shows and I'd like to talk, yeah. you know, the change in them over time. But also, you know, we talk about it's on the people not selling this and that, but it's also on the shows not putting these animals in front of people that don't know any better. Right. Well, and that's, but I mean, you know, even take a look at some of the biggest venues. Look at Tenley. Yeah. You know, first time I went to Tenley, I didn't sell a thing, and I had I had Ben Siegel next to me, and Strictly Reptiles right across from me. And they support Captain Born. Yeah. At that time. I mean, if you're if if you want to do a Captain Born, and sadly, 
if you want to do a Captive Born only show, what are you going to get? Ball Tell Python. me about pythons. Yeah, That's what I, you're going to. I had said you know, something about doing a show where it was just just breeders, a true breeder show. But people were like, well, you wouldn't get enough things there. And this, I'm like, it, it would be tricky. It would definitely be tricky. And you, you'd have to yeah, limit ball pythons. You couldn't be like, all right, anybody's welcome, just breeders. And then you'd have ball pythons. Well, right, we had that exactly. problem. We put on the Cleveland Reptile Show. Yeah. And have some people that get really angry because we only have 125 tables. And, <clears throat> you know, they've been trying to get in for several months and they breed ball pythons. And I just can't have 125 tables of ball python people knocking each other in the head. So, you know, nobody would want to come to that. Well, yeah, it gets, it gets boring for people. They want to walk around and see the odd and in animals. But that's also better for the hobby they see the odd and in animals because they don't know those things exist. They don't exactly. know half the exactly. rat snakes you have exist until you show it to them. Right. But, uh, you know, I mean, there'll be some there'll be some changes. And, and I, I wouldn't mind being in a, a show talk because, I, you know, there's – but I'd be, honest, I'd be lying if I said I had the answers. Yeah. They're really – right now, I mean – uh, we have more supply than we do have demand. And, it's an evolving thing. It always has been. Yeah, it'll constantly evolve. Yeah, and that way, if you work with what you like, you'll you'll never be in a bad shape. Well, and you you saw twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one for people. It was every, everybody <laughs> sold everything they had, and then everybody got into the hobby. And right now, they're realizing, oh wait, right. not everybody's buying stuff, and now everybody's getting out of the hobby. And it's but well, the, I tell the, people when COVID was around, you know, you do. 60 seconds worth of research and you've got tax refund money you buy the right you know combination of morph ball pythons and you're on a table next year selling three or four figure ball python yeah and uh and you know it'll the the financial end of it will will always weed out the true breeders and hobbyists from the people that are in it for money mm -hmm. but i wouldn't you know the two things i tell people right now don't sell your ball python collections off. Ball pythons are the best beginner snake out there, whether I hate them or not. You know, I they're the best. They're just not what you like. They're just not up my alley. Yeah, they're but, boring. I mean, <laughs> but you cannot take away from the fact that they are the, one of the they're best fantastic. beginner snakes now for a kid to get started. Yeah, they're oh, holding yeah. a fat. You know, and, you know, this year, you know, maybe, like I said, you don't breed 300 female ball pythons. Just pick a few genes you want to shoot for. Take a, take a step back this year. You know, and if you just kind of hold the reins, if you produce more animals than you're willing to set on, then you probably need to rethink what you're doing. Well, I've said that all these people that are selling their entire collection, shy of like a medical emergency needing the money type thing. Sure. All these people that are selling their entire collections aren't reptile people. They are people no, that went to a reptile show and said, I can do this and I can make tons of money. And exactly. they go, that's not what it is. Right. They're gamblers, investors, they're not in it for the long haul. They'll eventually weed themselves out. We've seen do. more people come and go than I can count. Yeah. You know, but it's, you know, it's just this cyclic thing. Just ride it out. You gotta you know, be it'll be fine. Yeah, you got to be responsible. I mean, I like babies of any form, but I'm not going to breed stuff just because I like babies. <laughs> I was like, where are we going with this? Because no. <laughs> no. I, no. I don't like those babies. I'm too old to start over. Done. Mine feeds herself and does her own laundry. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I think people need to. It's also where we need to get back to quality over quantity because we were the last few years have definitely been quantity. And you can breed yes. ball pythons, but again, like you said, pick two or three genes you really like and make it the best looking whatever it is. Yeah, is right. Right now, it's either name or price. Mm -hmm. That's what's making it right now for people. I mean, somebody's got a name for something, people are going to go to them for that thing. 
you want something that hisses, spits, bites, and shits on you, you probably look me up. But <laughs> you know, if it, you know, but or or it's price. And uh, once in a while, I might get into something and I'll flip something for a friend of mine. And I'll ask them. I'll go, "How much did he sell for?" And they might go, 200 bucks." All right, I'll mark him two fifty, because I'm not in that market, and I don't want to hurt that market or damage that market. I sure shit ain't gonna throw them out on my table for a hundred bucks. Yeah, you know, I'm not in it. But there's a lot of people that aren't that way. Yeah, I'm, oh, that's always rough watching someone go in and, and lowball at a show. And uh, yeah, that sucks. I'm like, come yeah. on, you if you're gonna sell, sell you know same price as everybody else or don't sell it a hundred dollars cheaper. Like, come on. It's, it's yeah. Like, yeah. So. I know there was a big buzz at our last show. Cause <laughs> some cat was supposedly, and I don't pay attention, but some cat was supposedly selling like clown balls, whatever the hell that is for like 80 bucks. <laughs> yeah. I, I have one I, of those actually. I got, is that uh, one of the ones we that, have? That was selling blue eyed Lucy's for a hundred dollars piece. I was retail pet shop. Oh, geez. Now I heard a lot of grumbling about that. To me, it don't mean shit. You tell me you're selling blue beauties for seventy five bucks, I'm going, What the fuck are you doing? Well, but I'll buy them all. I'll buy them all. <laughs> but but uh, there was a lot of grumbling going on. And it's just a very competitive market. Yeah. And uh, either gotta gut it out, you gotta think outside the box. Uh, that's why I tell everybody that are friends of mine that do them, don't get out of them. Three pies. Pies are the best ball python out there. I've got a pied banana. I, so I have four ball Those pythons because I had a buddy that was getting out of snakes and I wanted the pied banana. And I was like, okay, I'll take the other ones also. But like, yeah. it had everything I want. I don't like ball pythons except for that. It had everything I want. It's in just one a snake. cool gene. Like it just looks it cool. And I tell people I could go and I could set a whole show display up in the middle of a mall. And the only snake that'll stop people in their tracks would be a pied ball python. Oh yep. yeah. Yes. You know, so, you know, just breed pies. Put the rest on ice for this year. You know, don't don't breed them. Don't sweat it. If you if you're worried that much about it financially, that you gotta breed this stuff and you gotta sell this stuff, where you can't afford to have it, then you probably shouldn't be in the hobby anyway. Mm-hmm. Because it, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, everything I breed, I'll tell people. I have people try to lowball me. No, I got a cage for it. I'll bring it the fuck back home. <laughs> I'll feed it up six more months. Bring it to Tenley and double the price on you next time. Well, and what really gets folks is they watch all those YouTube videos where big readers walk into a room full of racks or they yep. go to a show where someone has seven tables full of snakes. And they're like, I want to do that. And I'm like, not everybody's supposed, not everybody's Walmart, right? You, you can't be the well, same thing. Social media has been the best and the worst thing that's happened to the reptile industry, in my opinion. I think the world in general. In the world in general, I will. <laughs> There's a lot of people who didn't have a voice, a big voice. And a lot of those people are really nasty and negative and, and make for very unpleasant people on the internet. Yes. I'm all for freedom of speech, but not everybody needs to have their voice heard. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Truly. And in the old days, if somebody screwed you over, you went to the table and took animals and beat the shit out of them. You didn't talk about it. Okay. So that just seals that we're coming back and we're going to have an episode just of you telling old stories. (laughs) Because, oh my God, I love this. Like, I think that's what I have loved the most about this episode. Darren Watson said the same thing. We need to have one where it's like, well, he wants one on the Reptile Show Talk. But just like, that's what you don't hear anymore. You don't hear the stories about what it was like or how it's changed. You just hear about what it is now and what we're dealing with. That's yeah. why sitting down with John Shores, I love listening love to him Shores. tell stories. And I love listening to Rick. And Jim Sargent and like a bunch of the older guys at the Herb shows, 
I just love when we go to dinner with them, getting to sit with them and listen to their stories. Like oh. I love that. Stories for hours. Well, we we know Don, um, Ed Celebucky up in Cleveland, and uh, without Ed, a lot of things wouldn't be in the hobby. There wouldn't be any ring pythons. And Ed can tell some amazing stories about being with the headhunters and sleeping in these huts and the and the whole thing would go like this all night long and you're trying not to fall out the door because there's no door on the hut. Had to tie himself to the wall. I mean, people tell these really cool stories about their hunting and their adventures and I just think it's fascinating. I love it. I love yeah. When I like talk yeah. about old hobby stuff, even when I say old, I mean nineties and eighties is still like that's I mean, it's nothing been like in what this it hobby is hobby for twenty years, James. You're considered old in the yeah. hobby too. <laughs> but it's nothing like what it is like what it is now. People that jump into the hobby now have no idea what it was. Like, look, yes, you said ball <laughs> pythons make a great pet, right? But go 20, 25 years ago, it's a fucking horrible pet. It's not gonna eat. It's gonna die. Yeah. You're gonna have to force feed it. Yeah. Yeah. Go for two years and not eat. Trash. Yeah. And but yeah. people don't know that they go now to PetSmart and buy a snake, and it eats the next day. And you're like, that's not that's not how oh. it was supposed to be. That's not how it was. <laughs> that, that, oh, that's a testament to the breeders. I mean, yeah. like I said, even though I don't like ball pythons, I I cannot take it away the work that they're doing with the colors and the mutations, and most of them, if you stay out of the spider genes. And I was down in Daytona in the hurricane show and watched spider balls drop from fifteen grand to five thousand before the doors even open. But, but you know, you take that out, and I mean, they've done fantastic work to give people a good, positive, beautiful animal to get into the hobby with. Now, will they ever shift gears from ball pythons? I don't know. But it gets more people, which is more voice and more strength for the hobby, and that should be what it's all about. So I do give ball pythons, breeders, props. I don't ever want to own one, but I appreciate what you do. All right, let's uh let's get let's get out of here because it's all right. Well, start, time. I, I normally start yawning around like ten to nine, so I apologize. So if people <laughs> had a good time, oh, it was a great time. And if people want to get a hold of y'all and they want snakes that are gonna bite and pee all over them, uh, how can they get, how can they get a hold of you? <laughs> uh, they can uh, find us on Facebook at uh, Zirkle Reptile Company, um, and I give you our email address, and you'll laugh. It's, and people talk about not being able to get a hold of us. Our email address is reptileforme at aol.com. Yes, we still have <laughs> the original. 33 years old. Yes. See, the people, people give not number four. Reptile for me. <laughs> people give me shit because I have a hotmail. Uh-huh. I don't have an AOL. That's so yes. great. Uh, I told I told you I wouldn't text that. My, my kids wanted to do Gmail, and I go, why would I change it? Everybody knows my email address. They've known it for 32 years. Why would I give that up? I it's tried nice. to do uh, Gmail once, and it was taken, and I got pissed, and I couldn't get it. And there was a, and then I ended up finding somebody that had that business name in like Colorado, and then we ended up doing a, a show here in Texas, and I was vending. Guy walks up and goes, I used to have a business called Simply Serpents, and I was like, oh, really? Where are you from? Colorado, and I, and I felt bad because I yelled. I was like, "You're the motherfucker that had." And I was like, "My bad." I was like, "It's years of pent up aggression that I couldn't have the name, and you had it." But it was funny. Well, funny. I figured my last name was weird enough. I didn't need to try to put much else with it. So, Circle Reptile Company. I say I have a Circle Reptile Company sticker on my freezer downstairs. Well, I appreciate that's that. us. With with and we that on purpose. So if you lose your business card. There's a sticker on the bag at every show because you will be amazed with people that can find it. And we put stickers on our deli cups too. 
Yeah. So people have my phone number, so they can't say they couldn't get a hold of us. <laughs> and you can go on Morph Market and see all three snakes job available on Morph Market. Yeah. So honestly, we don't ship I'm until a, April. I'm That's a wussy, right. and I only ship about six months out of the year. That's because y'all live where there's an actual winter. Say, you just said that it was going to be like two degrees outside. I don't blame it at all. Degrees high on Tuesday. Come on I, up. I don't have to. I'm here in frame to Tenley in March, so that's where they'll be. See, that's the difference. We're on the other end. We're like, there's a whole part of the year that we can't ship because it's 110 degrees and we can't get stuff out. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, we kind of do spring and fall. Summer is like variable. It just depends on the temperature. But yeah, we're in the same kind of thing. Hot summer, super cold winter. So we just have a, a little narrow window we can do. The high today was 55 and the high tomorrow is 72. Oh, oh Lord. that's rough how we survive. Yeah. As long <laughs> as it's dry so my fourth graders can go to recess, I'll be fine. But we haven't had it for two days. So uh, it's been kind of rough. Oh, it'll be a weird year. We'll have like a hurricane in February or something. I don't yeah. know. It'll be. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, but anyways, so reach out if you want cool rat snakes that like – five people have heard of go talk to them and get That's your awesome it. resonates um check out lil shop of horror lils there's an s there i said that no you lils. said lil lil I said, no i did not oh. i said lils lils shop of, of horror. horrors yeah guys shush it vivtech check out vivtech for all your life i'm just thinking lewis you gotta do something about that name he said he the earlier he said that somebody wrote a check to him the other day and it was actually little shop of horrors and they put, oh, could he cash it? I don't know. I, I, mean, I, cash didn't, it. I didn't think to ask if he could cash it. I don't know. We'll have to message him and find out. Um, yeah, check out VivTech for all your LED bulbs. And now for your, uh, my brain just went blank again on what the bulb is. I don't, I don't use halogen. I think it's halogen. It's halogen bulbs. I don't know. I use ceramic heat emitters and I have snakes. I have like four lizards. I <laughs> yeah, four lizards. So, uh, But check out VivTech. Use code GUMBO22. Get 15% off on all of your VivTech products. Um, also check out Colossal Constrictors our friends who do our giveaways check out our giveaway that we're going to have this month we'll have that posted within a day or so we, Oh, I'll have the post up not the blanket oh, I was about to say, the blanket will get made this weekend because we have a three day weekend uh, also last week's episode will probably get put out tonight because you know life happens and I didn't get it put out but it, it's fine <laughs> so it, it'll get put out tonight I'm going to start setting a, a reminder on my phone to it's, send you upstairs to do the podcast it still won't happen it's all the way upstairs I come upstairs, I go to the snake room, and then once I'm done, I'm back downstairs. And I hate, I hate having stairs. This whole having <laughs> stairs thing sucks. Yeah. Uh, yes. If y'all wait around just a second, everybody else, we will see y'all next week with, uh, I haven't figured that one out yet, but we'll see y'all next week. Uh, good night. Thank y'all for listening. Bye. Thanks, Thanks for having us.